everybody. Welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined as always by co-host Ryan Donnelly, ACC underscore Ryan. Uh, Ryan, you have you have really gone in-depth here in the ACC. It's the conference that everybody loves. It's the best conference in football. We've said that time and time again, and it's true again this year. Um, how's it going, <laughs> man? How are you feeling on the uh, on the now on the East Coast, uh, diving in with ACC? I know you visited Clemson. You love Dabo. You went to the church with Dabo. You got in with Florida State, and you did some unspeakable things with Matt Gates. I, I, it's it's been a good weekend for you here. It's been a very good weekend. Uh, I am in the the all crab cakes conference territory right now. I am in the city of Pittsburgh. Mm. The city is simply buzzing about Pat Narduzzi and his his you know just seven and five dominant football team he is coming up here. Yeah, um, people are going crazy for it. They love they love playing two thousand four Steelers football with uh, with a coach who last was modern around that time. Um, so it's really exciting for the city. Everyone's everyone's pretty pumped up. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to diving in, dude. Honestly, I had a really good time with the ACC preview. It was nice to flex the muscles again on on kind of getting the stuff prepped. Yeah. Um. I think you guys probably by the time this the podcast comes out, you'll see me tweet about this. But it is uh it is free week. I meet at midfield. So if you guys listen to this one, it's a free podcast as always. But the articles the ACC are all free this week. So mm-hmm. we have um we have in depth breakdowns like guys around articles on Clemson, Florida State, and we have uh, team previews of their the other twelve teams in the conference as well as part of the ACC preview schedule. It is all free all week. I meet at midfield. Um. We are doing an offer as well. If you are a, a new or returning subscriber, uh, you can get your your next purchase, meaning your your first month's purchase or first uh, six months. Ever want to do it uh, as twenty five percent off the code July twenty five, all one word. Yeah. So uh, we are we are cooking over here. We're like really geared up for the season and uh, trying to get these message boards going too. It's been pretty active already. I think folks are folks are hungry for the season. It's starting to reflect in the activity too. Yeah, you're definitely starting to see that pop up on the message boards, and that is you know just one of the things that you get at at meetatmidfield.com. And um, I, I think that that code is a great chance to sort of along with this free week is a great chance to kind of see what we're cooking over there. We actually just recently put up kind of a. Uh, you know, declaring what this upcoming season will look like from us on the message boards. And so get on over there, try out that code. If you want to try, you know, get the 25% off for a monthly subscription or, you know, even more than that, you get more off, obviously, if you do a yearly subscription um, and, uh, and and give it a shot. I think we're really starting to ramp up for the season. You can definitely feel kind of, I think people are getting that itch. I think that this was kind of the first, one of the first couple weeks weekends where you can really see, you know, people are kind of ready for football to come back. I know I'm starting to feel that more than I have been. Um, and so, yeah, meet at midfield.com. And what is that uh, What is that code one more time? That code is July 25, all one word, uh, for 20% off your first purchase. So if you're buying a year, 20% off a year. If you're buying six months, 20% off six months. If you're buying a month, 25% off a month. Uh, and it gets you started here at meet at midfield. So july 25 all one word july the month you guys you know it you love it uh j-u-l-y you've heard about it before yeah you know all about july it's the month that we're all talking about the world is a buzz talking about july um (laughs) we will uh before we get in here flipping the field is of course also sponsored by uh time person of the year in 2018 jamal khashoggi as well Mm -hmm. as homefieldapparel.com uh two equals i would say in their fields um, home field apparel for those of you who are not familiar I don't really know how that could possibly be the case but um, it is an apparel company for high quality vintage collegiate logos that they put on shirts that they put on sweatshirts they put sometimes on pants 
on some fucking sweet bomber jackets. I was looking at those a couple days ago. Man, those are so cool, the bomber jackets. Yeah. Um, I also, I really like the, the home field they're doing the Saudi Arabia drop this week, too. They're calling yeah. it the Chopped and Screwed Edition, not of Jamal Khashoggi. <laughs> yeah, they are. And it's, yeah, their their deal with the Live Golf is really cool as well. They get to sort of outfit the, uh, outfit the league. And, you know, I know that it's been, it's not always easy when your business partners are the, you know, the Saudi Arabian royal family and sort of that, that group but um home field does a great job of navigating sometimes those those choppy waters um yeah you know, sometimes very choppy even uh <laughs> and uh and, what, what's your opinion on that, on that on that line city have you seen this the saudis are building no what is this you haven't heard about this that the no. saudis are i'm 95 sure saudi arabia are building a city all built like in a single straight line Okay, that's, um, that's Logan. Like that's Logan, Utah. They've invented Logan, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's supposed to be like I don't know, a couple miles long or something like that. But they have a high speed metro. Okay. The idea is you get from one end of the city to the other in fifteen minutes. Okay, it's only built like two or three blocks deep on each side of the of the metro. So hairbrained. It's just a super harebrained concept. <laughs> that is, yeah, I don't know. That, 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 is... that guy Derek has a tweet about this. It's like uh, he's like, I mean, people make fun of it and they are kind of stupid, but you guys should be doing this too. Like, I would love. To, his feet was like uh-huh. i love to live in a city called hyperdrive nebraska where i live inside of an apple store my rent is 215 dollars. that sounds yeah. awesome yeah uh, Dude, that is basically <laughs> i mean that I'm, i joke but like that is pretty much how logan is designed there's everything is on one main street and it's just super busy all the time and impossible to get anywhere on that road um and then like if you go one uh one block in either direction there's just nothing there it's just it's all on the one yeah. road it's awful <laughs> it's so so stupid it's i, I guess if you have a train yeah. it would be a little bit easier but um well i, I don't really agree with home field's involvement in the it's, line it's pre-2010 columbus basically yeah 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 but uh we are gonna we we still do we do still support home field apparel of course if you want to support home field apparel you can go you can go use the code meet at midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase of a shirt of a sweatshirt of any other number of things or of a full order that has all of those things uh, again that code is meet at midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase uh homefieldapparel.com ryan let's talk boston college let's talk about the acc let's talk about Jeff we have Hathaway. to we love him let's talk about uh the wire former wire character john mcnulty um and uh and all <laughs> of our boys out there at boston college what's going on here yeah well they suck patrick yeah yeah fuck <laughs> these guys certified certified <laughs> losers yeah <laughs> Dude, they, they were really bad. Uh, no one likes Boston College like, as a concept. I, I've never met anyone who's a Boston College fan in my entire life. Have you? Have you ever met a Boston College fan? No, I don't go to a lot of Nazi rallies, and so I don't really get to meet those people very often. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, look, they went three and nine last year. They lost both their coordinator. Or they lost their coordinator, Tem uh, Lukabu, to the NFL, mm-hmm. and they fired Sean McNulty as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, uh, was, they they now day, have a. He was one day from retirement. John McNulty. He could have got his pension. <laughs> it would have been. He was almost out. <laughs> Dude, he was he was going to the the Baltimore Aquarium. He's gonna have a nice party there. It was gonna be really cool. Um, look, they they now have two co DCs. While Jeff Halfley actually calls the defense, and they also have a triumvirate on offense. They have an offensive coordinator, a passing game coordinator and an associate head coach for offense and offense development. Um, they basically have three guys deciding on both offense and defense, which leaves like four other total assistants on the, on the team. Yeah, It's so stupid. They're built so poorly. Their starting quarterback was also pretty average to bad. Phil jerking off Dracovic yeah. and transferred to Pitt. Uh, their star wide receiver, Zay Flowers, arguably like the only good player on the team. 
uh, went in the first round of the draft, which also was silly. He's not a first round player. Yeah. Um, and the whole secondary is pretty much gone. I mean, that's not. I good. don't know. That's not good. I would say. I, I I wouldn't. This was already not a team that had a whole lot of players who I really liked, and they lost. Um, most of them, it seems like this is sort of the best parts of the team are gone, and these were not a mesh, these were not especially good parts to begin with. I would also uh, add on the 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 coaching staff sort of makeup. We talk a lot on here about inefficiencies within how a lot of teams design their coaching staffs. Um, you don't need six coordinators. It's you just it's don't. the world's most inefficient <laughs> coaching staff of all time. <laughs> you're simply your head coach is a defensive play caller. You don't need two defensive co coordinators and then three offensive coordinators. That's just too many. Just get one. One one does the job perfectly fine. You don't need three. One is totally is more than enough. This is the I, I would say a classic uh, signal of a dying program of a dying tenure is the uh, having six coordinators, right? Like three for either side of the ball. That is something that a coach who has no ideas is doing. You are out of ideas if you're doing that. Yeah, I, I mean it's uh, I don't know what to say here, dude. Like it's there's just nothing. There's like also to have a team that bad as bad as it was. And then to promote from within for all of your hires, what they Jesus. did is insane. Yeah. Like you're doing like the Dabo Swinney thing where you only hire internally, or the Ryan Day thing, yeah. except you don't actually win any games. <laughs> like, yeah. Even if those guys suck, yeah. like they at least will win 10 games. Yeah. Like you're winning three games. Like, oh yeah, we need the interns, that three game team to come in and give us some more good ideas. Yeah. Like, what, what are you thinking here? Yeah. What is the culture you are upkeeping? What, what are you trying to carry over? What is, what, what, what needs continuity about this? What from the 2022 season are you like, oh, we got to keep that up. That shit sucked. You were, you were bad. You should change it. It wasn't good last year so that's uh yeah that, that's sort of the place that we find boston college in here there are some players on this roster who i think are worth considering right we like pat garwell yeah. at, at, at halfback i think he's a fun player um ryan O'Keefe. he's an above replacement level running back yeah yeah for yeah. sure yeah and that's yeah. i mean that's kind of expected at boston college they have a lot of those guys they kind of churn out running backs um ryan o'keefe i like a decent amount the ucf transferred he's an okay receiver i guess um there's a all acc edge rusher that they've got they've got a couple guys on yeah defense uh, who are, donovan uh what's his name I, I, isaiah ruaka something like that he, he is by far their best player in my, in my yeah, opinion see, like that's, if, if you're that's why i just said edge rusher i wanted to stick you with the name i don't know how to say it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had eight and a half sacks last year. Like that is just what the one thing they do well is like as much as they do make fun of this Boston College staff. And we had um uh, we had our buddy Matt Bockhorst the podcast way back for the 2021 season preview, and he pointed out like these guys are just really good at throwing exotic pressures at you. Yeah. Like Jeff Halfley, for uh, as stupid as he is, can design some pressures, uh, and, and that really benefited uh, Isaiah Raka, uh, Raku, whatever yeah. you know that guy. They got one good guy. Um, you'll be able to tell who he is because he's the only one that field looks like he belongs there. If you watch their games, yeah, um, <laughs> he's good. Uh, I'm sure he'll play well again. Uh, their linebackers are fine. They have one good corner. Um, they have an all ACC offensive guard who's coming back from missing last year the knee injury. But like, I think their offensive line gets marginally better, dude. I mean, their skill talent position clearly gets worse. I think their coaching's horrible. They were 122nd in scoring offense last year. That's worse than Iowa. Uh, and they're not going to get any better. <laughs> like, no. Well, <laughs> so wait, who is okay? I I might have just I might have just missed this. There's maybe been talk about this. Who the fuck is playing quarterback for these guys? Who's the quarterback? 
That's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked, and I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's always good um, when it's heading into the middle of July and we don't know who your quarterback is. That is a good sign for a program. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, it seems like I think people were saying it's going to be Emmett Moorhead. He kind of took over whenever Phil Trakovic went down last year, but, like, he wasn't, like, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, I, mean, I would be a little concerned about that because he wasn't good, like you said. he's um, He wasn't good. He, he threw... um. What was that? I think he threw like 59% completion last year. His career percentage is like sub 55%. Okay. Uh, and he has like, he averages like six and a half yards a pass. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch him play. I can't say I watched late season Boston College very much last year, yeah. but he is, he's huge. He's 6'5, 240. Um, he sucks. They all suck. All these players are bad. Yeah, this is not like a, uh, oh, you know, highly touted where we were just all waiting to see him step into the the starting lineup either, right? Like, he played a little bit as a freshman. He, he played some as a, as a freshman and uh, did okay enough that some Boston College fans seemingly are pretty excited about him. But, like, this is a, a pretty low three-star recruit a couple years ago. It's not like a highly touted, oh, this is a program guy. This is a, you know, a cornerstone piece. He was 1,600th in the 2021 class nationally. Like, this is not really a, a huge – this is a G5 quarterback who they've got here because they couldn't get anybody else on, on, on board. I mean, like, I don't really – yeah, I don't really know why – I don't know why they didn't try to get somebody else. I don't know why they didn't go to the portal and find a starting quarterback. There were plenty in there. Um, I guess they, I guess just, again, this is, you know, the, the thing I was coming back to earlier with the staff too, is like, there it seems like they're just fine doing what they did last year again. And yep. what they did last year was be one of the worst power five teams by a pretty wide margin. Um, yeah. It seems like they're just going to do the same thing, but worse. I don't, I don't really get like it. the idea, the idea of, of losing all of like their best players of losing all their, of their, all of their like coaches and just promoting from within, not take any major transfers. Like it's the definition of like, you know, playing violin the Titanic is sinking, right? Just rearrange the deck chair of Titanic is the phrase for that. Yeah. Like they're not doing anything here. Like they lost their top three receivers, I mentioned say Jones, but also Jalen Gill, like the former five star, yep. uh, transferred out to to Fresno State. He was number two player. The top tight end, George DeCock, is gone. Like there's just there's nothing here. Like even if the thing we're supposed to be good at is the defense, they were 68th in yards to play allowed. Like because they can't, they just got run over in the run game. They cannot stop anybody in the run game. Like their D secondary is pretty good. Halfley is again for all of his faults a good secondary coach, and, and like he, he, but like there's just nothing happening. They were three and nine last year. And they have one of the easiest schedules in the country and still will not come close to making a bowl game. In my opinion. Yeah. This is the mall that has always been shitty, but now it has like a bunch of crystal stores, crystal stores. So it's even worse. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh good. The candy store. Wow. I really <laughs> I need to swing by the, the, the candy store. I need to go to the phone, the phone case store at the mall. I need to, <laughs> need to go watch Boston college play football. Yeah. Like it's, it's been I'm getting my ship bedazzled. Yeah, yeah. It's been shitty and it's just getting shittier. Um, it, cause they're just, it's, it's were, you know, copies of copies of already bad assistant coaches who have gone elsewhere and copies of copies of bad players who have gone elsewhere. So you're, you're down to the kind of down to the dregs here. Um, this, uh, this was a program that was pretty well thought of a couple years ago by a lot of people and people thought that Jeff, Halfley we, were dumb. Was we told them they were wrong by the way, yeah, who, who, and Jeff Halfley, you know, there were expectations that he could be a big 10 coach and that, that, you know, he had them moving in the right direction and it's just. 
it's just gone. All that momentum is gone. And like you said, this schedule is horrible. This is one of the easiest schedules in the Power Five, if not the Dog, easiest. He, he's a poor man's Chris Ash. How do you become a poor man's Chris Ash? <laughs> yeah, but now they're just like, like, and so the the record might be inflated a bit, but like you said, they're not getting to a bowl game. You know, we can, we can go down the schedule here. It's really hard to find six wins, even against an extremely easy schedule. Let's do it yep. um, because I have other teams we actually want to talk about. So let's get to these guys fast. Yep. They get they get NIU and Holy Cross at home to open the season. That is a two and zero start. Yeah, yep. we can say that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they could lose to NIU, but I think they probably won't. Yeah. Um, they get Florida State at home. They will get stomped. Uh, two and one at Louisville's a loss. Two and two. They get Virginia at home. I think Virginia is also pretty bad. Um, that feels like it's one, a toss. That feels like one where having it at home is the difference. Even if the crowd is not huge, you just don't have to go anywhere. And so I, I think that, that yeah, that's a battle of two really bad teams. I'll give that to Boston College. Really bad teams. I, I will say, like in in Virginia's defense, like they're at least like I don't know, they're at least trying something. I guess uh, they <laughs> probably yeah. not really. Yeah. No, never mind. They're gonna they're, they'll lose that game. Okay, so we'll give it to uh, we'll give it to give it to Boston College three and two. Yeah, at Army. I mean, I know it's Army and they're transitioning, yeah, but like they can just run the ball down Boston College's throat all game with no yeah. clear way for them to stop it. So yeah. I think they lose this game to an Army. Yeah, I, I think that they have to drop one of that or the Virginia game just by, yeah, the, the, they're yep. not going to, yeah. Uh, they have Georgia Tech, who is basically just as bad as they are, except better coached, um, <laughs> which I guess is not saying very much. Um, it's on the road. I don't yeah. know. So the road to Tech, that's the bye week, but I think I think that there's a much again, Georgia Tech's the straight their team here is the backfield, and they have they have a pretty uh, you know uh, a pretty solid offensive line here. I guess that loss, that's three and four, um, which uh, is tough. They get UConn at home, that's four and four. Yeah, I'll say at Syracuse the loss, that's four and five. I think they lose out with Virginia Tech at Pitt home against Miami. I think you get to four and eight here. Man. I could see them getting five wins if they steal one against uh, Syracuse or Tech or Army. Yeah. But like it this is, team like, is just like it, it is a testament to how bad this schedule is that you can pretty easily see them getting to six, right? Like there are bad teams on this schedule we have them losing to. Like they, yes. they could and, be... and also just the lack of ambition, dude. Like yeah. you have a schedule this easy to walk into like a season like this wide open for the taking. And to do nothing to get better, like to not hire any good coaches or to not like, like Jeff Halfley is not doing this. Like he should be pushing all of his ships middle table this year. Like if, you, if you're like younger players transfer out, if you bankrupt yourself by hiring good coaches, like who cares? Like you're, if you go for it this year, you're getting fired. Like yeah. you should be doing everything in your power to get the best possible results for yourself. And they just, they just didn't, they just, they're hanging out. Yeah. And, and like, that, that's the thing is like a competent team, a team that went out and get and got a quarterback or just really did much of anything wins eight games minimum against this schedule. Like I've got, yes, I've got a spreadsheet that keeps track of all this kind of stuff. And the average ACC team per SP plus goes, uh, wins almost eight games against this schedule, 7.7 expected wins against this schedule for just the average team. If you're just average, you're going eight and four. If you you can even maybe steal one, out, you know, on top of that against like a, a Louisville or, or something like that or a Miami, but that feels completely out of the question here because this team is just so dreadfully bad. What I mean, what a waste, honestly, of, of such an easy schedule. This would be it's offensive, a, an yeah. extremely good opportunity for Halfley to springboard into a better job, to have a really big year and jump somewhere else before he has to keep running this program that's obviously going nowhere. But they didn't do anything 
building this offseason to make that happen, and it seems like they're going to not even make a bowl game against an extremely easy schedule. It's like you said, it's it's almost offensive that they just didn't they didn't even try. They didn't even try. They're just they're just fine with doing it again. It's uh, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. I'm annoyed. Speaking of teams that are awesome managed and really have great coaching staffs, how about Clemson? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Patrick, I will say, I mean, look, we we are some of the, the country's foremost Dabo haters. Like in Dabology, we, we are some of the experts in the field here. Uh, we've been hating on him for a long time. Did I have to admit I kind of like this Clemson team a good bit? Okay, sell me on it because I'm, I'm not there. I don't I don't quite believe that. Basically, I think they have one of the best running backs in the country with Will Shipley. I think Antonio Williams is better than he's been given credit for. He had 604 yards, the true freshman as a receiver, okay. and he's a top 100 recruit. I think he will step forward significantly. I think they have a respectable O-line. Like They have all three of their interior guys back, um, and all of them are either honorable mention or third-team all, all ACC. Um, they brought a couple guys, or they have a couple – Kind of recruit stepping up at a uh, tackle. Blake Miller's back there to start at the right tackle spot. And they're expecting Tristan Lee, who's a former five-star recruit and coming to his third season to start the other spot. Like the offensive line is, it should be good enough. Kate Klubnick is now working with Garrett Riley. Like, I mean, I don't think Garrett Riley's actually like, he's not an offensive genius or anything like that, but he is capable of, of uh, having a competent offense like Brandon Streeter. He's not as basically as stupid as Brandon Streeter or Tony Elliott or Jeff Scott, right? Like he's probably the best coordinator Dabo's ever had yeah. just by virtue of not being one of Dabo's guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a benefit. Um, I think their defensive line, while young, should be sick. I mean, like you get Tyler Davis back, who's already had three first team all ACC nominations. Uh Xavier Thomas, when healthy, is is good. The promise is always hurt. Uh Ruke Aroro is really good. They have three top 100 signees defensive line. They play the best linebacker duo in the country with Bear Carter and Jeremiah Trotter. Uh Nate Wiggins will play on Sundays. Like there's a lot of dudes here on defense who can play. The offense suffers from a lack, as, as they have the last few years, a lack of receivers, aside from Antonio Williams. Uh, you do have Adam Randall, I really like as a freshman. Uh, he's a big boy at six foot three, 230, and, and Bo Collins is back here as a junior. Like, you have enough guys. Like, like, those two have been kind of banged up so far, but when healthy, are pretty good. I mean, but even behind Shipley running back, Phil Moffa's a bruiser. Like, I think this team has enough depth at skill positions finally they can they can suffer an injury or two and be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Club Nick, I think, is an upgrade on DJ. I think the offensive line's better. I think the defensive line is maybe a slight step worse, but the rest of the defense gotten better. I, I just think if you're looking around this group, like every unit except D line has improved. Okay. Which when you have the schedule that Clemson plays, which is not a very serious one. I, I I don't know. Like I, I I guess you can say like other than Florida State, and I'm, I'm not trying to jump to the schedule part here, but like they don't play anyone that good. Like Clemson should win ten or eleven games and be a top ten or fifteen team on quality. It, plus the fact they only played like three competent teams all season, it's just a pretty easy path to them as a playoff contender. You know? Yeah, I the, I I think that that is totally. I could totally see that. I could also see, and and this would be kind of my my pushback to that is. I see a lot of little uh, football checkoffs guns in here. I see a lot of little things that we see right now as, oh, that's a, you know, that's a weakness, but they can probably cover it up as being, yeah, they can generally cover that up. But when they play, you know, a couple of real teams that they play this year, like they play Florida State, they play Notre Dame, 
North Carolina, South Carolina are both competent. Duke is competent. They're going to play Duke in week yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's worth road. noting, and just to not to cut you off, but like they are only favored by 12 and a half points on the road at Duke in week one. Yeah, and um, so and so you see these games, and you look at this roster, and there are these places on this roster that are really strong. You know, I think Cade Klubnik can be a really good player for them. Obviously, Will Shipley is excellent. I think that the interior line on the offensive side is going to be good. I think the defensive line is going to be good. But then you just see these little issues, like they have one wide receiver. And can they cover that up against most defenses? Yeah, I, I think Garrett Riley can coordinate around that. I think having one guy is enough for him. He had one guy at TCU, and it, it usually worked out. But yeah. is that going to be enough against Florida State or Notre Dame or, you know, to keep you from getting upset by one of those teams. Well, I, I, let me say right there, Notre Dame, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, and then, Florida, and then, Florida State, no, that's, a, that's a real question. Yeah. Notre Dame, yeah, sure. Or, yeah. or like, or, or that you're plugging a new uh, tackle in at, at, at you know, to, to one of those two spots, right? Which is always scary to do. You don't ever want to have new tackles. It's always nice to have experienced tackles, especially with a new quarterback. Um, that the defense doesn't really have a whole lot in the secondary, at least not that we like. Um, these just these feel like little things that you can largely pave over because they're not going to matter against most of the teams that they play. But when we talk about the games that will actually matter for this team, it's really hard for me to see them overcoming those weaknesses because it does feel like those will be really, really easy to pick on as opponents, as high-quality opponents of like, they've got one wide receiver. And so if we can get rid of that guy... We can just attack that new. We can just attack that yeah. new tackle, and suddenly they can't do anything. Suddenly the passing game doesn't work at all because there's no vertical aspect because they don't have the time to do it. Um, I, I could see that being the thing for this team is that this is a a good team that wins a lot of games, but is obviously and very like it's very clear that it is it is weak in specific ways that it cannot possibly overcome. Yeah, it's basically like a good Penn State team under James Franklin. Yeah. Except yeah. the difference is they don't play both Ohio State and Michigan. They just get one team with that quality in Florida State. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, I think Which, that like, that's fair. And, and I'm not trying to jump to the schedule part too fast. It's why I have Clemson going 11-1, and one, though. It's like I, I love Duke this year, and I'll, I'll spoil our next one by saying that. Like I am very, very high on Duke relative to the national consensus. Um, I think Florida State's fantastic and a real playoff contender. Uh, and you know I think they lose to Florida State. Uh, but they also, I mean, like the other contests, like they, they play Miami on the road. Miami, I think, is like an eight and four football team. Notre Dame, I haven't done a full preview on yet, but I have probably somewhere around the same. I think Notre Dame is so one dimensional, and that one dimension is not very impressive, you know. And I think that like North Carolina just has no interest in playing defense and got a, got one of the dumbest offensive coordinators in the country. Like, sure, I just don't see like if they get by Duke week one, week one, which like. That sounds crazy to say. Like I, I again, I'm very high on Duke, but like you should be able to beat Duke with this team, right? Like, yeah. there's no way you should lose to Duke with this roster. Like, I think Duke returns almost everyone on offense. But like Duke's defense, even though Mike Elko, I think, is very bright, like has a lot of new guys coming in. Like Duke is not positioned to take advantage of Clemson, in my opinion. Yeah. And the only team that really is is Florida State. So like, if this team goes 11 and one, all they have to do is get better for September 23rd when they play Florida State until they play them again on December 2nd, have a chance to beat them again. Like basically you have, you know, 10 weeks after your one hard game. If you, even if you lose that game to get better and find a way to win. Sure. That's, that's their whole season. It's a two game season pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's fair. Um, do you want to go through this schedule? Yeah, let's do it. I, I guess one thing I should say really quick on them. Some of you point out their secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm higher on it than you are. Uh, I, I will note here that like, I, I, like I said, I think Wiggins is an NFL guy. 
Sheridan Jones is competent at corner as well. And they have two um two top recruits for the 2023, sorry, 2022 class, uh, which is five star Jaden Lucas, top 100 player, Toriano Pride. Uh, those guys are entering year two. I think that four man corner rotation is actually pretty solid. And at safety, they have Andrew Mokaba, uh, Jalen Phillips, and RJ Mickens, who are all like dependable veterans. None of those guys are going to light your socks on fire, but like they are just solid, dependable players back there. Yeah. I think that secondary should be better. And with the linebacker unit, like I, I just think it's going to be very hard to pass the football on Clemson. Uh, and it's going to give them time to find a pass rush, right? Like this, like, dude, their front seven, they have combined three five stars, seven other top 100 players as part of 19 total blue chippers, those front seven. Yeah. Like that is a just stack with talent. And a lot of those guys are veterans too. Like Tyler Davis, Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter, Xavier Thomas. There's a lot of dudes there have played a lot of football before. Um, I think just this defense is going to be, it's not quite going to be a Brent Venables defense, but it's not going to be too far off. It should be a top 10 defense in college football. Um, and if you have that with, I mean, if club better than DJ, like I think the, the, basically the offense is the same as it was last year, except plugging a better quarterback, right. Which is and a better coordinator. So like, if you're saying in my opinion is basically they won't hurt too much from losing the defensive line when they lost, the secondary gets better. The quarterback play gets better. The receivers and running backs get better. The O-line is the same or better. And their play caller is much better. Like, it's hard for me to see how they get worse from last year. And last year's team still was, like, in the mix pretty late. And, like, I think this team is just, like, again, it's a two-game season for them. That's my that's my take. Yeah, I, I could see this being, like, a, a, a generally better and a, a higher ceiling version of last year's team, but also one that is glitchier and more prone to big fuck-ups that could seriously alter a game. Um, oh, yeah. Look, if they, like, if they play, like you said, Ohio State or LSU, they're going to run off the field. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I would say that. I will also say um, Xavier Thomas and Sheridan Jones, strong contenders for the, the tandem race for the Indeed.com Get a Job contest. Um, <laughs> come on. Guys. I have one coming for you later. Just hang on. <laughs> There's a guy in here. You'll know when I get to him. Just, yeah. just you wait. They, they are... Uh, they are also Rams. It's a it's a one man race this season. You'll see okay. soon. Okay, yeah, but those two get on get on the website and start looking for <laughs> start looking for gainful employment. Come on, guys. Let's, let's see the <laughs> schedule. Um, they open the year at Duke on Monday night of Labor Day weekend. Uh, we're gonna talk about Duke next. This is a I think Duke is a very good football team that plays a brutal schedule. Yeah, but only fair by twelve and a half points. I mean, look if this secondary is not ready. Riley Leonard is a pro quarterback. Like yeah. that is a guy that will play on Sundays. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm gonna. I, I'll say like I don't know that I want to predict that Duke will win this game because it does feel like we get okie dokied by a game like this every year. Um, but there are certainly, uh, you know, worse situations for a team like Duke to come into than than playing this Clemson team when your head coach is Mike Elko and you have a quarterback like Riley Leonard. Um, the strengths of Duke are very, very, very well-tuned to pick on those weaknesses of this Clemson team that I just mentioned. I think that Duke is the exact kind of upset candidate who can seriously cause some damage to the, the specific parts of this Clemson roster that are not good and that are very difficult to cover up in games against teams that understand that. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. Um, Fair enough. I, I still have Clemson winning, but I think Duke can scare them for sure. Yeah, I, I think um, it's a game into the fourth quarter, but Clemson pulls it out at the at the end. I, I think it's a win for Clemson, but they don't feel good about it at all. Yeah, I think they probably yeah they probably win by like uh, like ten points, but they feel scary. Yeah. Um, they will roll Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic. I have them losing at home to Florida State. Clemson almost never loses at home. 
but I think Florida State's better. I think they're just straight up a lot better across the floor. Yeah. And they're also much more experienced. They're going to be really ready by September 23rd. Clemson has some, so kind of some training wheels to kick off here. Yeah. Um, I like Florida State here to win, which has them at three and one. Um, they get, uh, they go at Syracuse and Wake Forest, two easy wins. Wake Forest, uh, look, it'll take Dave Clawson's best coaching job ever to get them to a bowl game. Uh, which I mean, he's capable of doing, but this is a tough, tough year for Wake Forest. Yeah. Um. Then they have the bye week after that. Nice season bye week. Uh, at Miami, Miami is actually pretty solid this year, especially the defensive front. Yeah. But it's just again, they're a poorly coached football team. They're like, they're shittier, less talented, equally dumb Clemson. Sure. Just not good enough to actually beat them. Um. That's a win. NC State taking a step back. Notre Dame sucks at home. Uh. Georgia Tech is at home. North Carolina is at home. South Carolina on the road, again, maybe a scare. I guess North Carolina scaring them too. Like North Carolina and South Carolina both have the firepower to scare Clemson, mm-hmm. but I just don't see them losing to those teams. Those teams are also, yeah, I mean, like not very impressive in terms of like actually achieving their goals. Yeah, and I would say the same about Notre Dame. I think all three are capable of seriously challenging this team and if this team makes and Miami and Miami and and if this team makes a lot of mistakes or if Kate isn't as good as we think he could be or or any number of things they could absolutely be seriously challenged or even lose any of those games but it's I wouldn't feel good about predicting of any of them right yeah you you could say besides what to say there are five games you can squint at and find an upset for Clemson like I can see them going 10 and 2 yeah I'm just betting on 11 and 1 because I think Clemson almost always finds a way to win these games. Yeah, I, I think it's 11-1 um, and one in, a, in like a sixth-place finish nationally. I don't think that this is a playoff team, but I think they're probably close. I don't think anybody's arguing for them at the end of the year, though. Yeah, and I mean, the tough part is Florida State's going to beat them twice, right? Like yeah. once once on the road and once at a neutral site. Yeah. That is uh, that is tough sledding. Yeah. Um, But uh, I think they can do it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Okay, next thing up here, we have Duke. Uh, Pat. We are the Mike Alco fan club. Like this is uh, at least me. I think you're on the same bandwagon I am. Yeah, I, I like. About- I like the team. I don't like them as much as you do, and I don't. I don't really like Elko as a guy. But it's it's obvious. I mean, the team was excellent last year relative to what he inherited, and 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 the job that they did is really hard to argue with and and as you're gonna kind of establish here they really didn't lose all that much from last year's team and last year's team was really good and really well coached and and should be even better this year with pretty much everybody back yeah yeah 100 i mean like the only guy they lost on, on the coaching staff was rob smith or dc and elko calls this defense so he brought in his former assistant and tyler santucci ran him to be the co-dc and linebackers coach uh, but it's 100 still elko's defense they didn't lose a single player at the nfl draft uh, there were two uh, players who got UDFA contracts that were contributors. Uh, one is linebacker Shaka Hayward, and the other is safety Darius Joyner. Uh, both are going to play in the league as UDFAs. They also lost a pair of offensive linemen to graduation. But I mean, this is this is a good football team, man. This is like this is they have 17 total starters back, and none of the players they lost were NFL caliber players. Uh, that's just very solid. And they had nine players in this team last year make all ACC uh, in some class or another, and seven of them returned to this football team. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And it, one, uh, it feels pretty cut and dry too. Of, of just like, yeah, they bring back one of the best quarterbacks in the country and a really good slot receiver with Jalen Calhoun, and they they have, you know, starters back at basically every position. Like you said, it's it, it's pretty. It, it's, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to feel too down on this because it's pretty much the same team that was really good last year. Dude, have you seen their returning production numbers? I'm looking at them, but I had not seen yeah, them they... before this. Yeah. Uh, just for the fans at home here, 98.6% of their passing production is back. 
99.1% of their receiving production is back. 99.6% of rushing production is back. Their top three linemen from last year are all back, and they have 100 career starts between them. They also added a transfer from Stanford and Jay Cornybrook, who had 23 careers to Stanford. That means you, like, you are looking at basically nearly 100% of offensive production across the board back here. Right. It is a like, question for you here. Is that good? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't like those guys. Like, I think Duke had a, you would call it like a surprisingly good offense under Kevin Johns, right? Not like it's yeah. better than you expected. And I think the fact that like they bring all those guys back, like, I, look, I think Ryan Leonard was obviously a revelation for them, right? Like, he was not expected to start. He came in as a redshirt freshman, just grabbed that job in fall camp, and I think looked like an absolute dude. A lot of guys stuck with him as a Sunday pick, like a potential first rounder. Yeah, and. Like, I think that he's going to have more of the same this year. I think all the guys that contributed are still there. And that was a team good enough to get to eight and four last year against a weak schedule. They added a few players there, here and there. Like, I think it's enough that they should be, to me, by all intents and purposes, like, this, there's no reason this offense should be a problem for this team. Like, they should be a solid top 40 offense this mm-hmm. year, which is like, with what the Duke defense is, is good enough to, like, to, to have the same team or better again this year. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say and and you can you can push back on this again for with Riley Leonard if you want, um. But from what I have seen from him, he kind of reminds me of like, he's he's really good ACC or, or P five level Paxton Lynch is is what I see. I see a lot of like like good Paxton Ooh. Lynch when he was at Memphis when he was good. He was a good player. He's a really good college quarterback. Not necessarily as an NFL projection for for that because I don't think that that would be fair. But like. As a college player, I, I see a lot of that of just like he's he's big and he's not like he's he's athletic in a really weird way, but he is able to just he just makes a lot of plays. He he's consistently making plays in a way that I don't think people fully have grasped with him yet. I think you would just assume when you see a Duke quarterback that he's like a uh, you know a game manager is is always the thing that is applied to these guys. He's really not that. He's he's really not that. I think he is he is a. Uh, he is a, a star quarterback. He's the kind of guy who can lead a team, not necessarily just as somebody who keeps them on track, but as like the focal point, the guy who's making plays on the offense. I have him like my, my comparison for him is somewhere between like what Daniel Jones was for Duke his final season and what like rookie year NFL Ryan Tannehill was like, which is a pretty good spot to be in, right? Like those are two guys that are first round draft picks. Like, if you just look at like size, athleticism, like he, I think he's more athletic than credit for. That guy can make plays with his legs pretty consistently. Yeah, I think he's like, I don't know. I I have Leonard as like I think I ranked him eleventh or twelfth in my top overall quarterback rankings, and I feel like that's a little bit too low. Like I I feel good on him. Sure. I don't know, man. I got I, I, I look. They were they were top forty in scoring yards per play last year, and I think they're probably some like top twenty five, top thirty in both those this year. Yeah, I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to insult him by saying that he reminds me. Oh, of I'm Paxton telling Lynch. him. Dude. I'm telling pa- him. Paxton you. Lynch was awesome. He was really good. There was a reason he was a first round draft pick, even if it didn't work out. He was really good. He was a good player in college. Like that's, it's uh, that's praise. I'm. He's a good player. He's he's a really good yeah. player. Yeah, I, mean, I think the lazy comp is easy for say Daniel Jones because they are like built the same way, came out of the same college. Like it's a pretty yeah. easy one to make. Yeah, and honestly, not too far off. Well, I but... will. I will never watch Daniel Jones play football, and so I will not make that comparison. <laughs> not going to be doing that. Not going to make that deal. Yeah. Well. Okay. And see the defense here because I think we're kind of we've like set our piece in the offense. Sure. Um, they were pretty bend but don't break last year on defense, right? They were sixty sixth, sixty sixth in yards per play allowed, but thirty first in scoring defense. Pretty good red zone stop, which is obviously. 
Like I think Elko's bright into that very well at Texas A&M too, and got better year over year there. But it's also worth noting, like it's kind of hard to replicate red zone stops all the time. Uh-huh. Like so- sometimes you do just break if you keep up those opportunities. Um, but they add a couple of veteran corners here with Al Blades from Miami and Lyle Jones from A&M. They have 46 career starts between those guys. Like I think linebackers even better despite losing Hayward. Like unless basically losing Joiner at safety is a huge problem for like explosive plays. He was a pretty good free safety for them. Unless unless he's like a real loss for them at safety, I think this defense is again better next year. If I recall correctly, I was looking up Elko's stats as a coordinator, and I think from twenty he changed teams three times from fourteen till he got this job in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two rather. Sorry, it was his last year, first year. From so from fourteen to twenty one, every defense he coached got better year over year. Yeah. So like this guy just produces good defenses and does it fast and improves them consistently. Yeah. And I think he does it again this year, right? It's, it's another veteran group that does it once again. Like, why won't they get better? Is yeah. my question. Yeah, my two thoughts on the defense are one, I, I really, it's, it's, it's usually a pretty safe bet to to pick with an Elko defense, even you know year over year when he has a, a big first year or whatever, because a lot of what they do is pretty easily repeatable. It's not necessarily that they're forcing a ton of turnovers, that they're relying on huge plays. Like they do force turnovers, they do have big plays, but. It's not just that. He's not it's not so boomer bust. He really designs these these really solid and, and well built defenses. Um and so it is easy to to think that they can keep up that success or even build on it because it doesn't feel like last year's defense was flimsy. It doesn't feel like it was just kinda cobbled together. Um, which is a testament to what they did with developing that defense and bringing in talent. Um and two, speaking of bringing in talent, it's hilarious that Al Blades is playing for this team. That Al Blades is playing for Duke in general. Just <laughs> just very, very Pretty funny, funny knowing what I know about like Al Blades' dad and, and all of that stuff. <laughs> Just very, very funny stuff. Yeah, great locker room bots to think from there for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing I can't really track here is I think Duke I think Duke got a little bit lucky last year. Right? They probably were not an eight and four quality team, but not too far off of it. Like I think people treat them like they were like the luckiest team in the country. And they were not that. They went eight and four gets a week schedule last year. I think they got better at every part of the team this year. But the over-under for win total is six wins, which I can't track why. Yeah. Yeah, let's go through the schedule here. It is I don't really know exactly where the six wins things it, it, thing is coming from because it's pretty easy to find six on this schedule. Yes. Okay, so the schedule here, Patrick, they open with Clemson. We had that as a loss. Um, the next three games are just ass whoopings. They, they get Lafayette and Northwestern home. Uh, obviously, the tougher team coming first in that duo. Yeah. And they get UConn on the road. It's a three-and-one stretch. Yeah. Um, they get Notre Dame at home. I think Duke is straight up better than Notre Dame. Yeah, I might pick Duke at Notre Dame to win. Yeah, I, what what does Notre Dame? <laughs> I mean, Notre Dame is more talented, but what does Notre Dame do better than Duke? It's they want to. Notre do Dame's O line is awesome, but what else do they do? They want to do a very similar thing, and I think Duke is better at it because they have better coaches. Yes, I, I think Duke is better yeah. at doing the thing than Notre Dame is. You said this is at home, right? It's a home game for Duke. Yeah, Duke has. I mean, Notre Dame has a worse quarterback. They have worse skill players. Their defense, like, should be good, but not that much better than Duke's. Like, this is also, I would be pretty like, surprised if Duke lost this game. This is the home game that they've been building towards, right? Like, this is the home crowd that everybody's going to show yes. up for, that everybody's going to be all... Like, this is the arrival game that, that fans will, will show out for. I think it's going to be really hard to play there for, for Notre Dame. I think this is a win for Duke. Yeah, and also worth noting, this is somehow Notre Dame's sixth game of the year by September 23rd, <laughs> or September 30th, sorry. And they play Ohio State the week before. Come on. Um, what are they doing? 
They played Navy in Dublin. Sixth game of the year by the end of September. Come on, guys. That's half the season. It's crazy. It's, they play a lot really fast. <laughs> trying to get it in and, and out of the way real quick. I don't want to play I think they're going to be exhausted. Yeah, I mean, I would be. That's a lot of football to play in one month. It's a lot of football. I think Duke kind of. I think Duke wins. Maybe by two scores. Yeah, yeah. I would okay. Agree with that. What's so, next? So four and one. They get the bye week. They get NC State at home with the bye week. That's a win. Home game off the bye week. NC State's a pretty bad team this year. Not a bad team. They're a pretty average team this year. Um, five and one. Yeah. Right. I ended up going at Florida State and losing, obviously, 5-2. and two. Um, At Louisville, I do not like Louisville this year. I I am lower in the Louisville consensus than you are. We haven't talked about them yet, but I, I don't really... I don't really get the, the Louisville hype. I don't know, like... Uh, like, I, I like parts about Louisville, but, like, they have a pretty bad quarterback setup, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> like, they can't stop the run. And I don't think Duke's a great rushing team, but like Duke, I think can find a way to exploit that defense. Is my kind of my take on them. Yeah, um, you're not going to hear me so, defend defend Louisville ever or Jeff Brom. Okay, I have, I have no argument. So, with this. yeah, that's fine. so that has us at six and two. Then yep, I go into the final stretch. Yep, Wake Forest at home, I have as a win. That's seven and two. I have them losing to North Carolina. Uh, sure. I'm. I'm not saying that's. I don't know. It's at North Carolina. I don't know if they're, I feel great about North Carolina, but to, like they're going to have to lose one of these games at some point. They got to lose somewhere. Yeah. yeah, they're not perfect. Yeah. So so, so I, seven and three. Then at Virginia is an easy win. Eight and three. Then I have them losing to Pitt at home at eight and four. Okay. Basically, I I think like between they have two clear losses to to Florida State and Clemson to me. Besides that, the home game against UConn, the road game at Louisville, the road game at at North Carolina, and the home game against Pitt. I think they go two and two in those games. Yeah, and go to eight and four. Yeah, I think that's fair. I would even just say I think they get one of Louisville or Pitt. I don't know which one. I would I would assume Louisville, but I'd say they get one of those two. Yeah, and Pitt also has some challenges this year too. I mean, I, I'm not. Yeah, Pat Narduzzi's again. his coach. That's that's a big challenge. <laughs> and Frank Signetti's calling the offense again. Yeah. So yeah. All so right. yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, eight and four, eight and four. But, but here's the thing: is like, if Duke is. It takes the jump on defense that Elko teams have tend to do and their offense. Like if Ryan Leonard is the guy we think he is, like if he actually looks like a Sunday first round pick, this team could win nine or 10 games. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. That's, that's, that's a multiple things happen at the same time because like, I'm not predicting that, but like it's a lot easier for me to see Duke winning 10 games than winning six games. Okay. Well, we'll split the difference and we'll go with eight and four. I think I'm pretty, are, I feel yeah. pretty comfortable with that. Next up, Florida State, uh, which we have heaped praise on all offseason. Why is that? Why have we done that? Hmm. And we're definitely not setting ourselves up for a Dave Dorn situation again. No, um, no, we would never do that. <laughs> we would never do that every year that we've done this podcast. No. That's right. That's right. It never happens to us. Um, look, um, Florida State's biggest thing here is a combination of experience and continuity. And also some high-end talent, like which are like you know the big three things you want to have in football, right? Uh, yeah. They bring back nine of their ten coaches, and I think the crazy part here uh, is if you look at this, they have um, the other eight assistants on this team. Besides their new defensive backs coach Marcus Woodson and co DC Randy Shannon, who came out as an analyst twenty twenty one. Let's go. Took his <laughs> last year. Other than those two guys, or sorry, not Woodson. Uh, uh, rather, their, their new DB coach is Pat Sertan. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> he replaced what I should have said, but uh, 
other than those two guys, and Randy Shannon and Patrick Tane are like some big names in South Florida, right? Those are some dudes. Sure. Other than those two, every other one of the eight assistant in Norvell has been there since his first staff. Uh, that kind of continuity like means a lot in college football. Like if you have competent coaches and keep them around year over year, like that institutional knowledge and buildup does matter a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, the, that's, I, yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. Okay. And in addition to that, last year they had 14 all ACC selections and 10 of those guys are back. Okay. Um, that's good. And they, they lost, they lost their guard, Dylan Gibbons, who's quite good. They lost all, uh, all first team, all ACC safety, Jamie Robinson, I think is really underrated. He go in the fifth round, but I think a better college football player than his NFL. Um, they did lose Trayshawn Ward, who was their backup running back, who I like a lot. Um, but they had he was one of three running backs that Hicks last year, so not the end of the world. And then uh defensive tackle Robert Cooper is a Seahawk undrafted free agent. Um, those are the four guys in that group who were gone. But then there's also a couple of receivers who are gone. Micah Pittman transferred to Oregon, Malik McLean to Penn State, Ontario Wilson is uh, is a um undrafted free agent to the Chargers, uh-huh. and Cam McDonald, their tight end, has gone to the Packers. But like you know, basically you have, of course, Johnny Wilson, who's their all-everything receiver coming back. You have Trey ben- Trey Benson, who's a top 10 running back in college football. Uh, you landed Keon Coleman in the portal. You landed Jaheim Bell, a tight end in the portal. You landed a, a two-time FCS, or sorry, two-time Division II All-American and, uh, and Morlock out of the portal. Jordan Travis is a top 10 quarterback in college football. Yeah. Their offensive line, which I'll get to in a second here, is fucking silly. They have a great defensive front. Like, it was already everyone was back. They got a bunch of pass rushers to come and join them too. Yeah. Like all the good players in this team besides Ward and like maybe if I mean, Ward and Robinson are real losses. Gibbons is a guard and he was a good guard, but just a guard, right? Like every one of your contributors who actually made a difference to this team is back and they added a bunch of really good players to be the portal too. Yeah. And all the coaches are back. Like that's the model. That's, that's, that's the, that's the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, like you said, you know they they only lose the four all a all a all all ACC players. They added another one through the portal, didn't they? They went and got Fentral Cypress. Fentral Cypress, yeah. So yeah. they have basically eleven of those guys back. Yeah. They have Akeem Dent back. They've got a Green back. They have Tate Bethune. They added Braden Fisk from Western Michigan. Who I think I like more than you do, but um, huh? I think he's very good. <laughs> I think I like I love Braden Fisk. What are oh, you I thought who is it? Oh, there's a different Mac transfer defensive tackle <laughs> that you were not. Somewhere else. Sure. I don't know. There's too many of these guys. Yeah. Brayden Fisk, I think it's great. Yeah. Dar- they also, really funny, uh, they went and took Daryl Jackson from Miami, okay. uh, their rival, who's going to yeah. be a contributor here. They also have um, uh, Fabian Lovett back again, who's all ACC. I mean, their O-line is also, like, fucking filthy. I-, I can rip them all off if you want to. I don't think I really need to. But yeah. basically, they have nine linemen who have combined for 207 career starts in Division One football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they've got they've got guys within this group like you, you you mentioned here that they've got like you know SEC transfer Keandre Jones who was a third team All SEC guy from Auburn. They've got you know honorable mentions in the depth chart. They've got a, a excellent UTEP transfer Jeremiah Byers. Like they have way more players than they would ever even need on this offensive line. Way more. Like any single player can get hurt. And they have a guy to step in his place. Like yeah. they are fine here on depth. Like like their O line is going to be so good. Like I, like I'm getting ahead of myself here. But like even at running back, like if Trey Benson gets hurt, they have Mo Smith and, and Lawrence Toafili behind him. If Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman gets down, they have the other guy, and they just signed a five star receiver and they couple other guys who are depth players there. They have two tight ends who are fantastic, Jaheim Bell and Kyle Warlock. Like this offense is built on redundancy. 
if Jordan Travis stays healthy, there's no way this offense is worse than top 10. There's just no way. Yeah, they just, yeah, they are absolutely loaded with guys on this offense. There are so many guys you can name on this offense at every position. It, it is a it is a, a, a an embarrassment of riches yeah. here. Also, I said Mo Hill and I meant Rodney Hill. Sorry, I said Mo Hill plays for a different team in this conference. Okay. Um, but anyway, and then we didn't get to the defense yet, but they have Jared Burns, who's the best pass rusher in college football, right? Like, yeah. And they have they have Lovett and Jackson at Fisk, defensive tackle. Uh, Patrick Payton was the ACC freshman of the year as, as a defensive end as well. He had six sacks last year. Uh, they, they got a guy from uh, South Carolina, Gilbert Edmond, who's a player in the, in the SEC. Uh, they have three deep defensive end, three deep at tackle, like starting caliber players. They have Bethune and Kalen Deloach at linebacker. Um, you know, in the second year, they have Fentrell Cypress, you mentioned. They have Nardo Green at corner. They have Jerry and Jones, who has 20 career starts. They have Akeem Den at safety. Shaheen Battle, Shaheen Brown, rather, has some start experience at safety. Like, the only thing you could say here, the, the holes you could point to, is if one of their linebackers or safeties gets hurt, they don't have a ton of depth there. But, like, you're nitpicking so closely at that point in time. Like, you're talking about backup linebacker or backup safety. Yeah. Those are the holes in this team. That's how good they are. Yeah. Also, unrelated and entirely, but only related to the the names. Some insane uh, defensive backfield names in here. Excellent group of names in this defensive backfield with Bernardo Green, Fintrell Cypress, Jerry and Jones, Akeem Dent. That's an all star group of defensive back names right there. Shaheem Brown. I mean, fuck. So me. good. That's awesome. That is that's that's vintage Florida State right there. You love to see it, dude. Yeah. And um, you love to see a guy named Akeem Dent. That's an awesome safety name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, just on, on the secondary, you brought it up here. Like, I think in college football previews, a lot of people talk about regression, like in a negative way, like which teams got lucky last year that should regress. Yeah. I want to put on a positive note here where Florida State was in the top 30 in the country and passes defended, but ranked 103rd in turnovers forced. Um, that is an area where they could very easily improve. This team starts getting more turnovers. The defense was already very good last year. And if they actually, you know, some of those defensive passes turn into interceptions. Yeah. Like this is a team that could become again top 10 very quick. Like they were one of the most balanced and deep teams in the country. I, I really can't yeah. stress enough how stacked they are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, like um, you said, with all of that, then they also have a whole bunch of continuity on the coaching staff. This is the year that they have been building for for yes. a long time, even before this staff arrived at Florida State. This is the team they have been trying to build for Mike Norvell's entire career as a head coach. This is the team he's wanted. It's, it's. I mean, like 100%. And it's the team this team is, this rather, program has waited for since the 2015 disappointment, right? Yeah. Like, it's been almost a decade of waiting for a team like this. And I don't think this team is quite as good as, like, the 2014, like the 2014 playoff team was kind of lucky. Like, the 2013 title team, obviously, it's not that level. But this is a team that is, like, pretty clearly top five, top six in the country to me. Yeah. Like, no doubt about that in my mind. This is a very, very good football team. Yeah. Well, and I'll say, the, too... Nobody goes into the season as a national title team. You don't go into week one sure. as a, as a, as twenty thirteen Florida State. It doesn't happen. That is yeah. that is built over a season. They could be that. They could absolutely be that. They're just they're not yet because nobody is. You're not that going right. into week one. And the thing I want to point out here that if we're gonna put a hole in this, it's not coming from the two deep, or rather from the starting lineup. The challenge here for Florida State is unlike every other contender, unlike your Georgias, your Ohio States, your Michigans. They have not stacked top five or even top 10 classes in recruiting, right? Like the, the, the best class they've signed in the last four years was ranked 16th nationally, which is the 2023 recruiting class. So like they are not playing with the same kind of depth that a Georgia and Ohio State, a Michigan, 
even necessarily a Penn State or like an LSU is, right? Like this this team, if they get hurt at key positions, other than skill positions or offensive line, they basically on the defense, what I'm saying, if they get hurt on defense, they don't really have the dudes to play backup, right? Like they have done really, really well in the portal. And I think it's worth considering how much like the recent changes to the portal roles, the portal roles will change kind of our consideration of what depth means for a team based on recruiting. But like if you want to challenge Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio or like the old rivals formula, which was you have to have a top five class last four years to win a title. If you want to find a team to challenge that, this is the, I mean, TCU challenged it a bit last year until they got to the title game and got stomped. 2014 Oregon did it. Like this is a better version of those two teams in terms of overall talent, but it's like the next contender to that kind of mantle of what you have to do to build a, a, a team. basically. Yeah. I, I think this is basically the test case of, can you build an actual serious honest to God national title contender through the portal, not exclusively, but can you be a, a, a portal recruiter, a heavy, strongly dependent on the portal recruiter and compete seriously for a national title? This is the team that will put that to the test more than any other has yet. I agreed. Agreed. And also they play two other title contenders, which is tough. Like, and, and that's a neutral site game and a road game. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's where the, that's where the rub comes in. Right. So I think that's what I want to kind of talk about here is, we can go through all these games if you want to, but really the season is on is on two or maybe three games. Like they get LSU week one at Sunday night once again in Camping World Stadium, Orlando. Um, and they also get Clemson, like I said, in week four on the road. You have to split those games, obviously. You have to win both or split them. I think they might be the straight up better team in both games. I think just on the math, they probably split it. But like if I was not doing overall probability stuff here, I would favor Florida State in both games pretty clearly. Yeah. Like, I think I think the way these teams are built is not going to take advantage of FSU. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think if we're just talking straight up, if we're just picking all of these games without the context of the full season, I would say these guys are going to go 12-0. and 0. I would say that I would say the same. I would yeah. say that they're the better team in every game. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that... You know, you can uh, you can easily see an argument for just saying eleven and one and assuming that they split those games, but like, I don't know, man. I mean, we're not held accountable for the things that we say on this podcast. And true, so true. I think this is a <laughs> I think this is an undefeated caliber team in the regular season. I think they are. Uh, let, let's do this really quick, Patrick. Let's talk about every game except those two first, okay? Because I just want to get okay. So Southern Miss at home, Boston College on the road, two clear wins. Virginia Tech, Syracuse at home, two clear wins. Duke, we thought it was a quality football team, but not going to have to beat Florida State. That's a win. At Wake Forest, clear win. At Pitt, do you have any... No. This is kind of a Pitt-style upset, isn't it? I mean, I guess, but Pitt is uh, bad and Florida State isn't. I do think Pitt's kind of shitty, but like <laughs> the worst part about Florida State last year, which I think they improved on, also I think they improved on this, but their worst part of the team last year was just like the run defense. And Pitt by virtue of the way the team is built because they can't do the football yeah is going to have to run the football all, all year and has a very good o-line um you could see a game where pitt has that classic pitt d-line pass rush get after jordan travis they run the football well it gets ugly and there's a weird turnover lay where mj devonshire makes his 19th like game winning interception or something like that yeah which he just loves to do um a friend of the show um <laughs> you could see that happen i guess i'm not i mean like and we're looking at a trouble spot. That's maybe one of them on the schedule. Because I think Miami at home is not really a challenge for Florida State. Miami is like a shittier Clemson. Yeah. Which I think Florida State's already better than. And Florida sucks this year. So 
Yeah. And they do play out of Florida, but I'm not worried about that at all. So the only upset, if you're looking outside of those big two games, maybe add Pitt for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. We talked about Clemson. What's the path in your mind? If you had to just, just get in your, get out of your haters mindset. Okay. If you were going to pick Clemson to beat Florida state, how would it happen to you? Um, huh. <laughs> That's a great, I had not really thought about that. Um, I think it's that Garrett Riley is able to basically cover up for that lack of, of receiving depth. I think that he is able to use his one star receiver in the way that he used a star receiver at TCU. Um, they are, they can, they can create openings with quick passes. They can cover up for the pass rush for the, the, you know, they can, they can stop basically the Florida state pass rush by getting the ball out of the backfield before any pass rush could reasonably get there. Um, I think it's, it's essentially the Michigan game plan for TCU last year. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that that, I think that that gets the job with more talent with a lot more talent. Yes. I think that that could get the job done. I'll say this. If Clemson beats Florida State, it's because Will Shipley has over 100 receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because the South has risen again if Clemson wins that game. <laughs> right. They're beating They're beating the Northern Yankees of Florida State. Um, <laughs> Listen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the LSU, that's the thing with LSU, too, is like, I am really high at LSU, as you know, as well. Uh, I think that that's a champion. That's like a, an SEC championship caliber football team. Um, I don't think LSU kind of has the style of play you'd want to see to beat Florida State. Namely, their running backs suck, and their O-line's just okay. Yeah, I'm also a little bit, I'll say, afraid of um, having Jaden Daniels as your quarterback in a big game like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I'm sold on that entirely yet. Like, I think he can win you a lot of football games. I don't know if he can win you that kind of football game, necessarily. Um, and so I would be, I would be a little bit concerned about that as well. I get that. I think that's a fair, fair take. I mean, look, I, I, I agree with you. I have them 12 and 0 on the math. Like if I'm just looking at all these games, I have them 12 and 0. I, I do think I'm just going to pick them to lose one because of what we pointed out with like the lack of recruiting, like over year over year. It's very hard for a team that doesn't recruit as well as a Georgia or Ohio state or a Bama to go 12 and 0. It's, it's very, it's just, very rarely yeah, happens. It's, it's just hard in general to go 12 and 0. It's hard. Of course, for, it's, yeah. It's yeah. hard for those teams to go 12 and 0. They don't do it all that often. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's hard to do. So we'll find one loss somewhere, whether it's Duke or Pitt or Clemson or LSU or hell, even they're, Miami. They're going to lose to Virginia Tech. They're going <laughs> to lose at home to Virginia Tech. They're going to lose to Southern Miss. Frank Gore Jr. is going to run for 500 yards. They're going to lose to Southern Miss, and then they'll go. They'll they'll win the other 11 games. I um, dude, I love this D line. I love this O line. I love this D line. Like, it's funny because all the great Florida State teams were never like you never thought about their line play, right? Like this is built like a Who's it even built like? I don't know. It's built like a a, a, a Michigan team, like kind of. It's yeah. like if Michigan had good receivers. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, or it's, a good it's, quarterback. It's like yeah, yeah it's like, if, it's, like yeah. it's like Michigan if Jim Harbaugh wasn't addicted to crazy ass white boys at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, yeah, if, if, I don't know. if Jim Harbaugh I, I, yeah. didn't care so much about representation and media for his quarterbacks, then it would be. <laughs> if Jim Harbaugh didn't, uh, didn't have like a sound of freedom ass football team, <laughs> this is kind of what it would look like. <laughs> uh-huh. do, uh-huh. do we have them going? Do you want to say 12 and 0? Um, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> we can say 12 and 0. Right. Who's going to stop us? 12 and 0. Fuck it. Who cares? Um, that's fine. Yeah, 12 and 0. Next up, Georgia Tech. I don't, right. I don't think we need to linger on these guys for too long. 
Let's be quick about this. Brent Key took over last year. Went four and four as a quarter as an interim. Um, he basically cleared house. Like, I, I mean, he retained Andrew Thacker, the two secondary coaches, but it's all new besides that. Yeah. Um, they lost Keon White, who was their best player last year. He's a really good pass rusher at the end in the second round. Um, they also had 22 players into the transfer portal. That is a little higher than you usually want to see for an internal hire. <laughs> that's, that's kind of like, <laughs> no, that's not a necessarily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, those players were bad. I guess that's fair, but like, yeah, they did lose like, know. they did lose like their starting quarterback and <laughs> things like that. That's not <laughs> usually quarterback. It's not usually yeah. what you want when you, you hire the internal loser who no one else. It was like the, the yeah. player, the, the players coach guy. Yeah, yeah. The coach who you only hired because Willie Fritz wouldn't take the job before he played out his bowl game. Like the only reason that this guy is said is, <laughs> in the job because he was here and all the players were like oh yeah we'll stick around for him and then the portal opened and they're like all right well bye <laughs> that's not yeah great. <laughs> the, I, I mean they lost their quarterback he lost their best receiver they lost their best safety their two top linebackers their best corner yeah their best defensive tackle well and, they and, lost probably their, their six best defenders from last year's team well and the good um, news too is that they don't do anything interesting schematically on either <laughs> side of the ball and they also don't recruit well so <laughs> do you know who their quarterback options are um i think i'm in the mix from what i've gathered <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see if i can win that job this fall we we are looking for a chance here for Haynes King. I think Haynes King. I'm gonna double check really quick his his <laughs> chance. He's he's, a, he's a... no, it can't be him. <laughs> I swear to God, it's him. I'm pulling up his recruiting profile really quick here. Okay, so Haynes King still has, I think, after this season, if I recall correctly, he has two more years of eligibility because he has a 2020 year and he redshirted. Haynes King is already. During his college career so far, won and lost a starting job three separate times. Uh, he did it once to injury, twice to competition, which means Haynes King could win this job in camp, which he probably will do, and lose it to Zach Pyron again for his fourth time. And that has two more years to do it once again, dude. This could be generational from him. I hate this fucking kid. I hate this kid. No more. Call it a career. You're done. You've had a good run. <laughs> It's he should done. get out of here. It's done, um, man. No more. Ugh. I guess if I'm saying something nice, I like their running back talent. They have Trayvon Cooley and Dante Smith. They're pretty decent. They brought in three SEC transfers who at least like look good in high school. Um, they have a good safety they're, they're and two re- good They're recruiting like a Sunbelt team. That's how a Sunbelt team <laughs> recruits. <laughs> they feel like a Sunbelt team. Um they have four starters back on the O-line and the competition at the fifth spot is between two like pretty good players. They have a uh, Princeton transfer, uh, Connor Scaglione and uh, Clemson transfer, Paul Ticchio or Paul Tychio. I don't know how you pronounce that. One of those. Um, not my business. Yeah. Um, look, they were bottom 15 nationally pretty much every category. Uh, and then also <laughs> the defense was really bad and lost all their best players. Uh, look, they suck. They also get a really easy schedule. So we can... Um, you just want to do their schedule. I hate these guys. We don't have to talk about them. Yeah, this feels very uniquely hopeless among these other teams. This is this is <laughs> I like it it is it is dead on arrival with Brent Key in a way that internal hires very rarely are because you can talk yourself into like, oh, he's got the support of the team, they love him. We've got a diamond in the rough here. No. They never even got to do that. This guy sucked from day one. He stepped in and got extremely lucky. He backed into the job because nobody else wanted it. And now this fucking loser has a terrible roster. He made it worse. 
You made the roster worse in one offseason. This this situation is dog shit. This is not good here. Yep, this is bad. It's a stupid hire. I don't understand why they did it. Yeah. Um, And, and the best part is they have a, a terribly easy schedule and we'll still get like just their ass kicked all the time. Uh, why can't um, we just swap out Georgia Tech or Boston College's schedule with Dukes? Why, don't, why do these teams need to play this schedule? What's the point? Just make them play all the best teams in the conference and get it over with. Who cares? Actually, maybe I'm underrating the schedule. They do play technically... Uh, I guess they play four ranked teams uh, as currently constituted. I think none of those teams are that good. Okay, let's go through it. They ha- they play an opening weekend neutral site game against Atlanta. Or sorry, against Louisville in Atlanta. Oh, God, why? Hard to say. Really hard to know. Okay. why that? What is the point? I hate Louisville, and that's still a loss. They get SC State at home. It, that's a win. Neutral site conference games are it, you. That is the devil's work. What are you doing? Why? Disgusting. What is the point? Disgusting. <laughs> Just play it at your home stadium. What's wrong with you? It's two minutes I think, away. I, I will say, though, I think they should put Pitt and West Virginia back in the same conference and make them play in Myrtle Beach where everyone likes to go vacation from those two teams. Yeah, um, that would be good. They, they have to go play in Florida. <laughs> they have to go play in the DeSantis Bowl in Florida. No, dude. No, sorry, Patrick. This is You're, you're showing off your lack of Appalachian roots here. People in the, people of Appalachia... Don't go to Florida because it's too far. They go to like the Carolinas. It's, it's like an Outer Banks or okay. Myrtle Beach or Hilton Head South situation. Okay. They're playing a Coastal Carolina stadium for the rivalry game. That'd be good. Um, I would like that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Louisville's a loss. SC State's a win. One and one. At Ole Miss, they're getting stopped by a bad Ole Miss team. One and two. At Wake Forest, I mean, come on. Clausen's coaching in circles around these guys. One yeah. and three. Bowling Green, they, I guess they win. Two and three. Miami's, you know, Miami's taking out all their frustration for being a mediocre team on, on Georgia Tech. That's two and four. Bye week, Boston College at home. That's that's a win. Don't get Boston College the bye week. Sure. That's um that's three and four. North Carolina, that is a that is a loss. Three and five. Um, how do you think about at Virginia? We'll just skip ahead in one game in between because they're losing to Clemson. But uh besides that, it's three and six. How do you think about at Virginia and Syracuse? What are your takes on these two games? Um I don't feel great about either of them for Georgia Tech. I'll say that they split because that feels like the safest answer, but I, I don't yes. I don't love either of those situations. And then they will beat Georgia at home to end the season. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I would cry, dude. Uh, like all right, the, least li- the, the least likely outcome in the history of college football. <laughs> <laughs> all right, four and eight, but it feels like, Four and eight's the absolute ceiling too. We're having them hitting their hitting their mark at four and eight. Yeah. Uh Patrick, we're gonna do Louisville real quick and take a quick break after Louisville. Yeah. Um, okay. Jeff Brown is back home. That's cool, I guess. Uh-huh. He brought seven coaches from West Lafayette. Uh-huh. I didn't really like that staff. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think the Purdue staff was awesome. Uh he retained one Louisville coach of Mark Ayu, who's been there forever. He brought in a guy from Georgia Southern, a guy from Steve Ellis, or a guy from like ECU, Steve Ellis. Um, it's basically just like a Jordan. It's basically just like a Purdue staff, except like a little bit better, maybe. Yeah. Um, Could you imagine being a lifer at Louisville? You're a lifer assistant for Louisville. What are you doing? Not me. <laughs> Get a job. What are you doing? Get a different job. Why are you staying there? What's your loyalty <laughs> to Louisville? What's wrong with you? What are they? Cheese or cheesy cheese? The third. Oh, I want to stay. Oh, I want to stay at Louisville. Why? Would you <laughs> go somewhere else? You don't need to be there. <laughs> Nobody wants to be there. Who, who are you, on. Muhammad Ali? Yeah. Grow up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, um, go to a real city. What's wrong with you? Uh, here's the thing. They had uh, they had seven guys make the all ACC teams last year. 
Uh, six of them are gone. Oh, good. And of those six, three of them are NFL draft picks on defense. Um, they had six other Mitchell All ACC players. Four of those guys are gone, and none of those ten departures that they're good players talking about include Malik Cunningham, who was the whole offense for like three or four years in a row. Uh-huh. Um, they lose two of their top four rushers and their top two receiving targets, including Tyler Hudson, who I liked a lot. Um, they lost a lot of production. They're starting Jack Plummer at quarterback as a sixth-year senior. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I like their – they have Jamari Thrash, a wide receiver transferred in from uh, yeah. Georgia State. He's pretty good. Southern or State? Which – do you remember? Um, State. State, right. Okay. Yeah. And they have uh, they have Jamar Jordan back at running back. Mo Turner's pretty good. Um, Ash Gillette's a good defensive end, I guess. I like Jar- I legitimately do like Jarvis Brownlee at cornerback for who transferred there from Florida State. He's a he's a, he'll play on Sundays probably. Um, sure. A lot of spots uh, in the uh, NFL, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. They have enough guys they either brought in or retain. Like they they retained two starters from, uh, from, from the O line: Renato Brown and uh, Brian Hudson. Brian Hudson's definitely good. He's very good. Uh, Renato Brown is competent. They got a guy from Dartmouth. They got a guy from uh, Purdue. They got a guy from Rutgers. Like I don't know. They have a guy who played some spot starts here. Like, they'll be fine in O line basically. But the quarterbacks suck. The wide receivers are fine. They just don't have anyone who can throw because Jack Jack Plummer's bad. Yeah, yeah, that is an issue. I would say for an they also have no tight ends, and Brom loves tight ends. Yeah, he does. He really does. Oh, he loves. But you know who the tight ends are, dude? They have Josh Lifeson and Dwayne Martin who combined for seven career collegiate seasons, but have I think six catches between them in seven years. Uh huh. Um, well, they have Joey Gatewood. <laughs> <laughs> they have Joey Gatewood, and the other guy they're betting on is a 270-pound freshman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <they're> playing... <laughs> I can't believe they they flipped that guy from Ohio State in the middle of the offseason. That's crazy. <laughs> don't don't taunt me right now. <laughs> no, no, he's 280. I, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I mentioned, on the defensive side of football, I, I, I see any thoughts on offense before I get to defense. God no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Defense, I like their package a little bit. They have Gillette. Stephen Heron, who's a Kentucky native, is back here. Uh, he transferred from Stanford. Um, uh, their defensive linemen suck. The linebackers suck. Um, I like Brownlee at corner. They brought in Storm Duck, who was at Penn State after going to uh, North Carolina before. Uh, Marcus Washington from Georgia is pretty good. I think their safeties are actually legitimately solid. Uh, they have Josh Minkins, MJ Griffin back, and they brought in uh, they brought in Cameron Kelly from North Carolina, Devin Neal from Baylor, and Gilbert Freerson, Freerson from Miami. Like the secondary here is legitimately good. It's just every other part of the team um, yeah. besides the wide receivers. But despite that, the ACC sucks. Like they are more talented than the rest of the ACC, and they have a decent enough O line and skill players. Like if Jack Plummer. He's, he's going to throw for his usual, like, 6.2 yards per attempt. But if he just completes, like, 60% of his balls, then this team wins, like, seven games. Yeah, I I've, I have a kind of a uh, an existential question here about Louisville football. What is the point? What is the point of this? What are we, do, what are we trying to prove by doing this? Like, what is the value of having Louisville football? Why do we need this? 
They don't do anything. They're just there. Yeah. They're just taking up space. Just a team in the mix. Uh, who wants this? Who's who's asking for Louisville to play football? Just stop playing. It's fine. I think I think we should make Kentucky and Louisville both kind of merge with Western Kentucky and just call them the Hilltoppers. Okay, that's fine. I but yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think that they need to. What are we trying to prove here? <laughs> just let's just let's let's let the talent go somewhere else. Let's let those players go somewhere else. Let's let's get rid of this football program. We don't need. It's just a a black hole for going seven and five. They're just built to I only would... ever go seven and five. <laughs> I would like Louisville if they had to play WU, Cincy, and Pitt every year. That's what yeah. should happen. This is like a seat filler for bowl games. They're just somebody who's they're, just, they're there. They're just a body. <laughs> they who are can like take up they're like the original mattress ball. factory of college football. Like this is clearly a mop front, but college football. Yeah. Well, we need a team to play in this made-up bowl game, and Louisville's here, <laughs> so I guess we'll take them. Cool. Okay. Just, just a waste of everybody's time. Louisville football is just wasting everyone's time. We don't need to do this. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they suck. <laughs> well, here's the great news, too. They play two neutral site games in the first three weeks. Oh, good. And <laughs> it's against Georgia Tech and Indiana. <laughs> Big draws, you think? You know, Going to bring in the big crowd for those. The world's not going to miss this game. <laughs> and also this... they're both basically home games for those teams because one's in atlanta one's in indianapolis i think we just think louisville fans are too stupid to find their way to these yeah. campuses this is the official football program of the sports illustrated fan nation websites this is a fan nation website <laughs> as football program yeah <laughs> who are you for a, who's reading this shit? football team louisville's playing 45 <laughs> articles a week <laughs> I don't need this shit. No more. They're, they're an MSM clickbait football team. They're doing like, <laughs> Jeff Brom said what about trans rights? <laughs> Is Jeff Brom the new Riz God? <laughs> Speaking of, dude, it's just a total, total departure, but did you see the Charles Barkley clip today? No. No, I didn't. Sho- shocking face turn from Charles Barkley, okay. who was like blackout drunk at some bar and for some reason they gave him a microphone okay. <laughs> but he was drinking it was sponsored by bud light he was drinking bud light yeah and he says that he was like if you're gay bless you i love you if you're trans bless you i love you if you disagree fuck you wow that's what he said <laughs> except he slurred every word you could hear like every six words maybe <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's how you know it's the truth that's how he really feels this was coming from his yeah. heart it's war but charles barkley getting blackout drunk and being pro-trans is a shock i, I, mean, that's I you awesome. not i would have not had that in a million <laughs> that years is a, yeah, stunning revelation <laughs> was not expecting that even a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, that's good <laughs> anyway so local schedule huh yeah they uh they play Georgia Tech in Atlanta I guess they win um yeah sure they get somebody Murray has to. State at, <laughs> they get Murray State at home on a Thursday night that's gonna be a packed house that's I, 2-0 here, I got a concept um, for you what if it was Maury State and it was the TV guy <laughs> I think it'd be better <laughs> you are the football team <laughs> <laughs> pretty good pretty good stuff yeah. um uh, Indiana and Indianapolis. Oh, Nobody in Indiana. Indiana sucks this year. Yeah. Um, Just this year. That's 3 0. They also get a long layoff for Indiana. It's the Thursday game the week before. So they get 10 days to prep for Indy. So mm-hmm. that's huge. Um, huge, huge, huge time there. <laughs> this is a then, break, uh, breakthrough opportunity for them. 
Then Boston College at home. They played four of the worst teams in America in the first four weeks. They were in four and zero with three Power Five wins, and not a single team like ranked in the top one hundred nationally. Yeah, um, this is bleak. Hmm. This is very bleak stuff here. Well, what's next? And then they get they go at NC State on Friday night. That's a that's a, that's a loss. That's a loss. That's a real football program. Even if they're not as good this year as they're supposed to be, or as they sh- should have been last year, that's a be- that's a real football program with we- with real not made up players. Um, yep. that's a loss for Louisville. All these guys are although, although not many of the players you have ever heard of because uh, that team. Well, no. <laughs> we'll talk about them. No. <laughs> um, four and one. Notre Dame at home is a loss. That's four and two. And they're going at Pitt in the feared Acrisure Stadium. Um, Pitt's D line with these guys alive. This will be a, this will be yeah. Pitt will find a way to make it so stupid in the fourth quarter by like throwing two pick sixes, <laughs> but still win. Jeff Brom loves to start a season four and three. That's his favorite thing in the world. Dude, I love you know, his, I, his ass loves to have a four and three football team. That is that is he loves favorite. somehow being like five and four, but like one game out of first place in the division. He's got them right where he wants them. <laughs> <laughs> so they lose to Pitt to go four and three. They get a bye week. They scheduled Duke for homecoming. Not wise. That's not smart. You don't no, want to be doing that yeah, this year. Not what you want to do. That's four and four. Um, also, do they play every game at home? What the fuck is this, dude? Yeah, they have like 10 home games this year. Because <laughs> they, they, the they have the two neutral they, sites that should have been road games. And so they have yeah, like they play, one Yeah, they play game. three true road games. This is disgusting. Yeah, that's awesome. The, the scheduling in this conference is as bad as it is in any conference. It's awful here. So stupid. Um, okay, what is that now? Four and four. They have the two Virginia schools at home. They'll they'll beat both their asses. Those teams are terrible. Yeah. Um, six and four at Miami is a bloodbath. Six and five, and then they lose to Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Great. Cool. Good season. Six and six. Wasting everybody's time. Just not necessary. We don't have to do that. Um. Just who who needs it? Not me. I certainly don't. Ugh. Ugh. What's dude? Again, some of these over unders like. I know usually when I think Vegas is very stupid, it means I'm very stupid, but I don't understand where the optimism for Louisville comes from. Yeah, I, I think it is just that like somebody has to win those games, right? Not everybody can go four and eight. It can't just be you know three twelve and zero teams, and then everybody else goes four and eight. Um, it could in in Ryan Day's America. Yeah, that is what he wants. <laughs> this, this is what it's a it's a picture of the Louisville sports reference, and it's this is what Ryan Day wants to take from you. <laughs> <laughs> they play that posters all around like Bloomington, Indiana, and say, "Don't believe his lies." Yeah, they um, they they photoshopped big titties and like like uh pig like pigtails onto Jeff Brom, and this is what they want to take from you. <laughs> they don't want you to have trad wife Jeff Brom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they don't want you to drink Jeff Brom's breast milk when you come home from work. <laughs> come on, I'm drinking raw Jeff Brom breast milk. Um, Jesus Christ! All right, Patrick, we need to, we need to take a little break. I, I, we're going to come back in a minute. Yep. Um, this break is brought to you by a musical effect that Patrick will do after the edit. So much, I shoot in no vest. Water boy out of still moving his meth. It'll never sit my weight, get pressed. Moving my age, my hand get stressed. Been drinking this quake and it tastes like tech. Purple and red, don't drink no grits. It's nasty pouring up drinking this trish. It's a slime, five, five, six. He got green on the tip. He come breathe, he got hit. Bullets jump into him like it springs on a cliff. It's a lean when I drip, I spit out flame. Ryan, before we get back into this, I have to tell you i was just uh during the break i was looking up 
um, images of Louisville-based rapper ESTG. It's uh, one of his <laughs> one of his songs that I have attached in this little break here. Um, I don't know if you've seen images of this man before. One of the least cool-looking rappers of all time. <laughs> Just... I'm googling him right now. <laughs> He's his, his I I love his his songs. I think his music is very good. He looks ridiculous. He, he <laughs> looks he looks utterly ridiculous. There's never been a good image taken of him. His hairline <laughs> is like in the middle of his fucking forehead. It's it's awful. <laughs> awful looking man. <laughs> yeah, really pronounced underbite too. Yeah. Um he looks like a pug. He looks like a human pug. He looks like he's wearing a hair hat. <laughs> this is this is horrible. Oh my god, you gotta wear a you gotta wear a beanie, brother. You can't be doing this. <laughs> you can't let people see this. He he looks like It's unfortunate there's never been a cool Louisville rapper. It's never happened. He looks like Vince Carter when he was playing for the Hawks. This is this is like <laughs> this is this is advanced age Vince Carter out here. Oh man, that's that's rough. Alright, let's talk about Miami. Let's get back into it. What's going on with Mario Cristobal and the Canes? Hmm. Well, it's built just like every other Mario Cristobal team is ever designed to be built. Okay. Uh, the problem is, I'll get to the team in a second. This, this coaching staff, dude, I mean, it's kind of a mess. Like, they still have their O-line and D-line coaches. They still have Jamila Dye, defensive backs, and Mario Cristobal still the head coach. The other seven spots in the coaching staff all change this year, which is not what you want to see. You don't no, want to be doing that. Not necessarily. Usually. No, that's not usually how you do it. They also had three co-OCs last year, uh, including Josh Gad. <laughs> Too many. They had, jo- they had Josh Gaddis. They had Frank Ponce, your favorite. Yeah. And they had Stephen Field. Uh, Ponce was is- the quarterback's coach. Field was tight end's coach. The fuck is Stephen um, Field? I've never heard of this guy. I know like every college football coach. Who the fuck is Stephen Field? What are you talking he about? Got, well, here's the good news. They put him into an off-field role as like oh, the assistant director of recruiting. Um, so he's doing awesome. They fired Josh Gaddis, who's now, where'd he end up at? Um, uh, Maryland. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Somehow an and- even, he found an even less serious football program to coach for. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank Ponce is now the play caller at App State, so that's cool. Um, I also lost running back coach Kevin Smith, who left for a job to go work for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. They hired Miami alum Tim Harris to replace him. They brought on Kevin Beard, who was one of, like, Kevin Beard is a product of a bygone era, unfortunately. He was one of the all-time backdroppers in the past. Yeah. Um, kind of tough to see a guy like that, you know, kind of cut down his prime. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had years of backdropping left to do, but it's kind of not the same anymore. Yeah. Um, we, just sucks to see We guys, need to see you know, some like, of those guys move into the NIL, like running a collective space. I want to see a, a resurgence for the ba- for the bag men of, 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 uh, of old, getting a new sort of a new lot on life in at the, at the helm of a collective. It's too bad that we're not seeing that happen more. Also, Patrick, I have um, I'll I'll tease this here. Yeah, I will not reveal any further details whether you DMS or not. I have been gathering some dirt on two NIL guys in, uh-huh. in the college football space. Oh, that um, I am working on publishing the next month or so. Yeah, it, there's some fun stuff out there. These NIL guys, <laughs> I think a few of them would do better to have 
smaller public profiles mm. they don't want to have guys like us kind of you know yeah ruining their lives like regular business people yeah um brian schottenstein your ass is on notice you gotta watch out <laughs> motherfucker it's been it's been almost a year since we just basically <laughs> fucked up the bag for kirk barton and uh, ken stickney and i think i have another one coming up the up the pipe here so yeah we've, we've um, had time to to rest and recover to to reload our pistol and get ready to yeah. start shooting again I, I just august 1st every year i just fire off a new a new expose <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious once a year on, on august 1st we come out with we just get some guy fired and then we move on to the next year <laughs> we should do that <laughs> taking down increasingly large targets <laughs> we're like three years away from getting donald trump yeah shocking um, expose from from meet at midfield on anthony fauci <laughs> <laughs> um anyway on kevin beard yeah you got cody some guy named cody woodiel on tight ends not a real person no. um shannon dawson the old houston oc is here oh. as a oc and quarterbacks coach okay um Why? they lost kevin Steele. yeah i don't know they lost kevin Steele and nick saban um they could not, they they could also... not stop the steel and it was they tried their best it couldn't work <laughs> uh charlie strong also got pissed off he didn't get the job after kevin Steele left so he just uh he's now like an analyst for alabama i think um of course he is uh, <laughs> um, God. rod wright their defensive ends coach left for nfl job they brought on uh lance Geedry from houston to be dc um from tulane yeah they still they still have joe adai and uh joe salavea here as d-line coach they brought on Derek nicholson from louisville I can't see anyone was raving about those Louisville linebackers. That's not really uh, a thing anyone was hyped up about, but he's here as linebackers coach. No one has ever said anything about Louisville's linebackers. It's Name not... one Louisville linebacker in the history of football. Name one Louisville player who isn't Lamar Jackson. <laughs> really <laughs> can't, it can't be done. It simply can't be done. Name a non Louisville. Name a quarter. Uh, a non quarterback Louisville player. It can't be done. Um. Oh, who is uh uh two two Atwell? That's my one guy. God. What a pathetic program. Yeah. <laughs> <That's bad. your... laughs> and then their new D-line coaches, or he's like their co-D-line coach, Jason Taylor, who is obviously an NFL Co legend. They have a co-defensive line coach? It's just the one position. Why do you need two guys? Just <sighs> Unclear. What's been awesome to see, too, is they did just land Marquis Lightfoot, who they dropped a bag for, but like... yeah. Miami was doing like the Michigan thing in the offseason where like they think that every kid that OVs is going there. Um, which is really funny. So they were just like hyping up. Like they had themselves landing like four or five stars defensive line. Yeah. And they're now going to get like two four star guys total, it seems like. So that's tight. Um, yeah. And you're not mad at all about that. You're not mad at all. No, no, I'm foot. chilling. I'm you're actually, actually chilling. You're chilling hard. and you're actually really happy about it. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's good for you. You like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So here are the guys gone from Miami. They lost Tyreek Stevenson and DJ Ivy at cornerback. Tyreek Stevenson was really good. Uh, and two like their lone bright spots last year. Um, there goes their corners, their tight end, Will Mallory's gone. Uh, their tackle, DJ Scaife, uh, and their other tackle, John Campbell, both are gone. One to the NFL's UDFA, one transferred to Tennessee. They lost uh, one of their best D linemen, Daryl Jackson, transferred to Florida State, their rival. Sucks for them, couldn't be me. Um, hmm, besides that, they have Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback, who does suck. Yeah. Um, I think the old line should be good. I'll say this. Like they lost a lot of guys from there. However, the transfers, the returners, like I don't know. They have Jalen Rivers back, who's all league. Zion Nelson missed all last season with the year, but he's a really good uh tackle. He's back. They brought in Matt Lee and JV on Cohen from UCF and Bama. Uh they just need to find basically one guy to fill the fifth spot. Um 
I think their running back room is respectable, if not impressive. Like Henry Parrish is just a guy there. I actually really, really like their freshman running back, Mark Fletcher. I think he's an instant contributor. Yeah. Um, their receivers, come on, unserious. They have Tyler Harrell there, who's like their big guy now, <laughs> who is onto his third school where he'll be hyped up and do nothing. People are talking um, themselves into him again. They're like, he's the best big play receiver in the in the country. Well, it's so stupid. Gonna have to, he's he going to have to catch the ball first for that to be the case, and he doesn't do that. So you're going <laughs> to yeah, he loves to do that twice a game. Sort of kind of shit um, out of luck on that on that one. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say I like their O line. I don't like anything else about their offense really. Um, I do love their defense. I think this defense is very well built. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Kinchins might be the best safety in America. Really good player. He was an All American last year. He's back for his third season. Um, they have five-star defensive uh, lineman Leonard Taylor here, who was all ACC last year as a registered freshman. Should do it again this year. Akeem Mesador um, was a seven-sack player for them last year. They have a couple good linebackers, and uh, Francisco Malwaga is the best one here. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I like the way they're building the lines, basically, is what I'm trying to say. They have a lot of line depth um, on both offense and defense. Uh, they also have uh, Jafari Harvey. They have Branson Dean. Um, a lot of guys on defensive line. Linebackers are rock solid. I like their safeties a lot. Uh, it's just like, do they have anything at quarterback or receiver or anything at corner? That's kind of the question. Like, yeah. they're going to have to play, like, again, like an old pit football team. They just run the ball down your throat to win, which is so funny to do for Miami. Yeah. Because you don't, yeah, you don't need to do that. You could do. You could do any number of things that aren't that, but I, I think part of the thing here in the operative question, at least in my mind, is how much of last year's utter collapse and failure was a lack of talent and how much of it was that the coaching staff had no chemistry and was, was fucked from the beginning. Because I think if it's oh, the it's, latter, it's both, yeah. if it's the <laughs> latter, then obviously you can talk yourself into this being a pretty good team. But if it's, you know, if it's not just that, if it's that the portal stuff that they have done or the players that they inherited just are not good, um, it's hard to see this being much more than anything than, than what it was last year, right? It's it's hard to see this being more than like a team that's hovering around 500. I think they're going to be above that. I think this is a better team than that, but it's hard to shake 2022 out of your head with this program, at least for me. It's hard for me to not see them as the team that was a massive fuck up and a huge disappointment last season. Yeah, I guess the difference is just like, there is some level of like when you stack enough talent on D-line and O-line, things tend to work themselves out besides that. Like, if you're good at those two positions, football looks pretty easy, right? Like, a lot of bad coaches look good if you can protect the quarterback, run the football, stop the run, and get after the passer. Like, if you can do those four things, yeah, but coaching's like, a pretty easy job. But why couldn't they do that last year? Yeah, I mean, I think their O-line was worse last year. I think they had worse players. They brought in better ones, especially the interior of the O-line. Sure. Um, I think that their D-line was very very young last year and now has some better guys. And losing Daryl Jackson does really suck. I don't know. It's not like – it's just they stacked a little more talent and have guys another year older. Like, I think basically they're good enough where with that makeup, like when you are a good O-line team, good D-line team, I think you can beat – pretty much every bad team in America by virtue of that. And the challenge is just, can you actually coach away to beat good teams? I think the answer for Miami is no. And they're probably going to go like eight and four because of it. Yeah. But eight and four is still an improvement for this team. Yeah. Let's take a look at that schedule. Let's see what we're, what we think is going to, is going to come of this. Cause I do think that that's probably, that's probably fair. I think that's probably where most people are going to come down with this yeah. team, but what are they, what are they working with here? 
Yes, they got Miami of Ohio at home first. It's kind of funny. They have not played in a long time, but I like that series being yeah. a rivalry. Yeah. Um, Battle for Miami. I have them winning that one. They get A&M at home. Um, I think that's a loss. I, I don't I don't know that they're going to be. I mean, what's the difference between them and A&M right now other than just A&M has more talent? Yeah, nothing, basically. I mean, also A&M might have one good coordinator, too, so that's nice for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like A&M is a better version. Wait, A&M wants to make it ugly, I guess. Like, who are we yeah, saying I think a, A&M wins. Who are we saying is a good coordinator for A&M? <laughs> Petrino. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good at all. <laughs> you disagree? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Bobby Petrino is a good offensive coordinator. I, do, I don't believe that. <laughs> they have DJ Durkin. <laughs> <laughs> They do have DJ. Dur- they do have DJ Durkin, that's for sure. I mean, I think A and M wins that game, but I don't know that I would give them the credit of having a good coordinator. That seems optimistic. I did, I did not realize also that Durkin is only forty five years old. Yeah, he's killed so many more people than most forty five year olds. <laughs> most forty five year olds will never know about killing someone like DJ Durkin does. It's yeah. uh, he's he's a he's a grizzled man. He's 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 older than his years. He's he's lived more than that. All right, so we agree one and one and one before their next two games are Bethune Cookman at home and Temple on the road. Uh-huh. Very funny road game at Temple. Um, that's three and one going into their very early bye week. Here's the thing: if you're Miami, you do not want to have an early bye week. Um, no, <laughs> no. You're the kind of team that needs a bye week late to like, you know, get your struggling players that hate you back on board. Uh-huh. You do not want to have this as early in the season. This is not a recipe for success. Yeah, this is yeah because you can't have like a players only meeting that the media sells as being the thing that's going to turn the team around in late September. You can't do that, and they won't. They be- must have the most players only meetings per program all time. Yeah, easily. I I think absolutely they have to have the most players only meetings and also the most like former players only meetings. They no no program <laughs> is having more former players only meetings than Miami. Those guys- that's the that sucks about going there. They don't really talk about is like after you're done playing. You do have to go back to campus four times a year to like have an immediate about the existential state of the program. Yeah, you, whether whether you like it or not, you're gonna have to play poker with Ed Reed. You have no choice in the matter. <laughs> you have to go hang out with these motherfuckers. It's just the only thing that they do. It's all they do for fun is they go and they complain about the current players. <laughs> Kellen Winslow is like tapping on your window with a gun. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the no lacking challenge to all of the other former players. <laughs> he's on the sidelines tapping players helmets with his gun why don't you cut your shit on you <laughs> you're out here playing without your gun what are you doing you're going to trader joe's get some peanut brittle and ray lewis is just <laughs> running you down the street <laughs> he's the loss prevention agent at the, 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 the trader joe's in miami <laughs> so anyway the three of one he's obliterating week. every bisexual woman who walks into the store <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> what do you think is ray lewis's kind of girl i can't imagine what ray lewis is i think is. he's completely asexual i don't think he has any interest at all <laughs> that actually seems correct no miami football player has ever had sex before it's they have a it's like byu except they all for have greg olson yeah yeah except for greg olson <laughs> that's why he's not accepted back um yeah they have they have a more strict honor code than byu does it's just cultural <laughs> <laughs> you, you are required to go to tootsies do you know what tootsies is are you familiar patrick no it's like uh it's a world famous strip club that all their players go to yeah uh it's somewhere in miami 
it's like there are i know this via like recruiting stories where basically every south florida seven on seven coach like makes like the visiting recruiting coaches come hang out with them with tootsies and pay for lap dances for them <laughs> to give them the goods on a kid uh-huh. um this is this is the, anyway this is the zach smith domain this is this, this is, this zach is smith the zach smith wheelhouse I, I am also just just to play out the comparison to byu could you it would be really funny i am making myself laugh the idea of miami <laughs> having like a bunch of jewish players on their team every year like byu <laughs> does with mormon guys <laughs> <laughs> they've got like 45 jewish guys we have to recruit the location we have to recruit the area we have to win the state of miami and we have 45 jewish guys on every roster no it's better yeah it's better yeah. instead of having mormon guys they're recruiting like techno djs but they're going on a mission to berlin for two years and they come back afterwards every miami player goes on a two-year mission to israel they're all they're all learning how to be djs in israel and then they're coming back dude i uh i went to the bar last night with some buddies and i i just parked and looked up the building i parked in front of it was the Zionist Labor Institution. Um, <laughs> I saw this. And I looked them up and I was like, oh, is that like socialist Jews? What's up with that? No. And then it was the group that created the IDF. These were like the original <laughs> IDF guys. And for some reason, <laughs> they have an office in Pittsburgh. I have to, I have to read more because I was kind of tired last night. But that's that's what I know about them. So the IDF, like they're the they're the proto IDF dudes. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really that's really good. That's really good. All right, so Miami three and one. <laughs> Miami three and one. Georgia second home four and one. Uh, at North Carolina, I think North Carolina is also kind of average, but has the like the one thing they can do is attack Miami secondary, which should work for them. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess they have them losing to North Carolina. Yeah, we're gonna get to North Carolina, and we're gonna have to explain that they're basically eleven and one by default. Because the schedule. Oh is no, so we bad. won't. Don't worry. You'll you'll don't okay. worry about that, sweetheart. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got something cooking for them. Okay. Um, four and two. Clemson at home is four and three, and half the players have quit by now. Yeah, we. Um, yeah, we're having a players only meeting this week. This is the players only <laughs> meeting time for this for this season. Is is the four and three after the loss to Clemson. Which starts with a great bounce back to beat Virginia and NC State, uh, one at home, one on the road. All is that's, well. Uh, it's fixed. We're title contenders. It's we're back, baby. <laughs> that's uh, what's that six and three? Uh, they are getting their ass whooped by Florida State, and presumably Daryl Jackson, the former Miami player, is like breaking the U over his knee. They lose like fifty six to seven. Um, that'll be fun. And then they are beating Louisville and Boston College in the final two weeks of the season to uh, to go eight and four. Yep. Yep, I think that's fair. Are they are they happy with that? I don't think they're ever happy. Okay, if you're a normal guy on the program, are you happy with eight and four? Yeah, probably. It's if you're of, if you're you, do you think Miami is successful to go eight and four this year? If I'm me, that's a difficult that's a difficult place to put myself in. <laughs> if I'm me, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's fine, right? For for year two, bounce back. You're not a disaster. Eight and four is is better than what they've done recently. I think you're fine with that. Hmm. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Um, eight and four. Who's next? We're talking about North Carolina. Who's up? NC state, right? NC state. Yep. Hmm. Okay. As you know, I have sworn a blood oath against NC state. I believe you have as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they pissed me off so bad. Um, they lose two coaches. They lost. I mean, they quote unquote lost, uh, Tim Beck. Um, he is now off to ruin Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina, and they also lost John Garrison to Ole Miss. But they did bring in Robert and I, who I think is pretty obviously an upgrade on on uh on Tim Beck. And they also got offensive line coach um Garrett Hujagai, 
who coached with an eye when he was good at Virginia. Um, so they have that going for them, which is cool. Yeah. Um, they did lose Devin Leary and replace him with Brandon Armstrong, who sucks. Um, yeah. Hmm. They lost their two first-team All-ACC interior linemen, Chandler Zavala and Grant Gibson. They also lost three of their top four receiving targets. I didn't like any of them except kind of Thayer Thomas. Um, their most efficient running back, number two overall rusher, Demi Sumo, is gone. Um, they lost second-team All-ACC linebacker Drake Thomas in there forever. He's gone to graduation. Um, Tanner Engel, second-team All-ACC, third-team All-ACC, Corey Dern, defensive tackle. Um Linebacker Isaiah Moore and corner Tyler Baker Williams, both honorable mentions, are gone as well. Mm-hmm. That is nine starters with all ACC distinctions who are not coming back in 2023. Well, and they must um, have been really good in 2022. Then they must <laughs> they must have won a bunch of games and not fucked dude, up horribly. God, it would it would honestly it would probably be easier. Who's back? Who is back from this from this team last year? Hmm, okay, so I like <laughs> they have a good corner, Aiden White. Okay, um, that's a good shining battles. A that's a good start. Good other, yeah, two two yeah. two respectable corners. It could be worse. Uh, do they have? Is there anything else here? Is Peyton Wilson at linebacker? Um, People might remember him. Peyton uh, Wilson's back again. They got uh, Timmy McKay back at uh, at offensive line. He's a good tackle. Um, oof. Ooh, not well, not great, uh, not great it. when that's the only <laughs> starter you bring back on offense. Uh, also, Dylan McMahon. Sorry, Dylan McMahon. Their okay. center is back too. Boy, um, yeah, hmm. yeah. There are yep. some there are some transfers here who could be you know interesting, like Darson Dawson Jeremillo from uh, from Oregon. I think yeah, would be interesting at guard. I like they have. I, I don't I don't dislike Brendan Armstrong like you do. I think he's totally fine. Um, the line should be decent. I think that the line being decent is going to help out a lot of what they do. It is just like, I don't know who plays in the skill core here. You know, like Jordan Houston's back at running back. He's fine. I, I don't really know who else is going to do anything, though. I don't know who's going to play wide receiver. I don't know who's going to be the guys for this offense other than... And Armstrong. tight ends worse than receiver, too. Yeah. 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 It's just... Like, it's there's bleak. no... At least receiver, you can say, oh, there's a couple guys back who caught a few balls last year. Yeah. There's no one at tight end. Yeah. Yeah, and the defense isn't in much better shape, right? Like Tony Gibson's three three five is very good, and we like it, and we like him. But who's going to play here other than those corners and the linebacker? It's a lot of new faces. It's a lot of transfers. Yeah, I guess the thing for me is like what you're saying is one hundred percent true. Like it, there's a lot of new faces on defense, but like when's the last time Tony Gibson had a bad defense? It's kind of my thought here. Yeah. Like he just he, he is the Dave Clawson Warren Ruggiero pairing on offense. Mm-hmm. Like they just always he always finds a way to get a good defense here. Um, like you said, Thomas Amore got a linebacker. Wilson's back. Devin Betty and, and Jalen Scott, as you recall, Peyton Wilson's been hurt a lot, and a lot of those linebackers were hurt fairly frequently. So they have they have three guys back with starting experience, despite losing to all ACC linebackers, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I think White might be an All American at corner. He's very very good. Um, I also mentioned Battle. Um, they have Sean Brown uh, is back at safety, as is Devin Boykin and Jakeen Harris. And they also brought an old Dominion transfer, excuse me, Robert Kennedy. Um, I think they can go, f- like, there are seven defensive backs I trust to play five spots, which is pretty good. right? You, you'll take that. Yeah. Um, they have two starters back in the line, Devin Van and CJ Clark. Savion Jackson missed all of last year with a, a knee injury, but is back for, uh, for 2023. Um I don't know. There's not a ton of guys here that they have to like some of those guys who 
have maybe been around for a while, haven't been stars, need to step up. But I think like this defense should be roughly top 30, top 35, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will also, I'll speak for the the fairly sizable Michigan fan contingent that listens to the podcast. The last time mm. that Tony Gibson had a bad defense was the entire time that he was at Michigan. It was every season that he had at Michigan. Was he the coordinator there? Uh, I don't know if he was the coordinator, but he was the associate head coach and, and special teams coordinator and defensive backs coach. I think he had a pretty significant say in it, and all of those defenses were dog shit. So then. Oh, he was there when Rich Rod was there. Oh, shit. That's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. Yes, fair but I, I'm sure that I, I'm sure that his name is not a good one for the Michigan fans and so I do want to I do want to say you all we know you're there we know that he wasn't good there but he's been good since Tony Gibson's a father we should be nice to him yeah um <laughs> he's a family man how could you how could you insult the uh, the, the 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 honor of Tony Gibson Dude, he is one of the most Appalachian guys of all time by the way yeah like oh yeah he I like Tony Gibson I've met him a couple times he has like some James Franklin snake oil to him, but um, he's a good recruiter. It's pretty easy to see why pretty fast. It's crazy no one brought him back. Like Virginia Tech didn't get him or I don't know. Like I, if I'm someone, if I'm Penn State or somebody, I'm giving him a lot of money to come back and like get some guys out of that area for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. For but sure. Uh, for sure. anyway. Want to talk schedule? Yeah. Let me uh, let me pull it up here really quick. I am I'm on top of it. Sorry. Uh, NC State schedule. They open up the season at UConn. How many fucking power five teams is UConn hosting? What the hell? Yeah. Um. Damn, dude. Okay, UConn. What a weird schedule. A lot UConn of people, plays. A lot of people are four... calling. A lot of people are referring to Jim Mora as a Galen Maxwell style football coach. <laughs> How does he have these connections? What's happening? <laughs> uh, they do play four power five teams this year. Um, that'll be good that's that's awesome for them <laughs> uh <laughs> that's good news for the basketball team yep uh, <laughs> okay so at uconn is one and oh notre dame at home i think they lose that game but maybe yeah. they're competitive sure yeah they could they could be competitive one, yeah i think they lose but yeah <laughs> one and one i think they reel off four straight here they get vmi at home virginia on the road and louisville and marshall at home yeah yeah. That's five and one. That's yeah. five and one. Sure. They're, are they Tough gonna... news about the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoyed that five and one start because it only gets worse from here. For my agenda, it's great because they're getting ranked going into Duke. So that's okay. a ranked North Carolina State losing at Duke on the road. Five and two. Then a bye week. Then Clemson at home. That is five Ooh. and three. I think they lose to Miami at home. Okay. That's five and four. I think they probably beat Wake and Virginia Tech on the road. Okay, and go seven and four, and then lose to North Carolina at home to go seven and five. Yeah, and I, I could see it being being eight if they added like that Miami game. I think they could win the Miami yeah. game. They could um, they could get one of Duke, Miami, North Carolina. Right, those teams are not yeah. too far away. They couldn't get them. Yeah, so they could get eight, or they could go. You know, or it could be six. They could drop all those games, and it could be six. I and, I, I think that that's you know. Yeah, uh, we're learning here. The over under for them is seven point oh. I'm a year. Yeah, that feels pretty much spot on, and I will say that feels spot on to the point that the the SP plus projections have the expected win loss at exactly seven and five, which never happens. It's always like eight point three or six point seven five. Yeah. It's exactly seven and five for this team. <laughs> so this Vegas the, agrees. This is the Flipping most the seven agrees, and five team. <laughs> this is the most seven and five team of all time. There has never been a more seven and five team than this one. <laughs> That's funny. I'm sure. FPI, you know, ESPN's made up nonsense. It's not going like ten and three or something. Yeah, 
Something um, like that. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. We, we all look forward to that. Um, all right, you want to talk? What, 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 what's going on with North Carolina? What do we have here? Well, we have we have good news for Drake May and bad news for Drake May. Okay. Um, he has avoided the Phil Longo challenge by virtue of Phil Longo leaving before his second year as a starter. Yeah. That's the good news. Okay. He starts a new somewhere else. Yeah, feeling good about However, that. Yeah. They did bring in two of the dumbest guys of all time on this offense. Mm. Do you know who their new coordinators are? I know one of them, and I don't feel great about it. <laughs> the other is even worse, buddy. They have <laughs> Chip Lindsay and Freddie Kitchens. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know he was here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you've given me a great gift. This is a wonderful <laughs> thing to know. I had no idea. I knew about Chip Lindsay. Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, Freddie Let's Kitchens. Go. <laughs> he runs a college ass offense, so maybe he'll be good here. I always <laughs> thought Freddie Kitchens would be an awesome offensive coordinator in the ACC. So maybe he'll be good here. This that is that it's is so the, funny. He, that is he the level so of brain he has. Yeah. He's so bad in Cleveland. They even let him run an offense in the ACC. He's a junior understudy at the ACC. Yeah, he has to, Chip Lindsay. He has to learn at the school of Chip Lindsay before he gets to take the training <laughs> wheels off. He was so disastrously bad. He murdered Baker Mayfield in cold blood, and now he has to learn under Chip Lindsay. That's the punishment. Freddie, we, we need you to get so much dumber, Freddie. Uh, <laughs> they also lost. Dude, 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 fuck it. Freddie Kitchens and Phil Longo, are, or, or not Phil Longo, and Chip Lindsay are wearing the conjoined overall on the sidelines hooting on a jug <laughs> they're, they're playing one really big banjo together <laughs> oh damn dude yeah well they have those two idiots running the offense they have their wide receiver running backs coach but i actually like both of you guys a lot lonnie galloway lonnie galloway at wide receivers and larry porter at running backs coach i think two of the better guys in that position in the country Matt, when, um, when you so they have that going when you apply for a job to work for mac brown he makes you put in an ancestry report so he can make sure that you're inbred enough to work for him yeah <laughs> Dude, he uh he apparently I was listening to a podcast. I think it was Bud Elliott's podcast today. Uh their summer school version of North Carolina. I just probably was like writing up the Big 12 stuff for, for next week. Yeah. Where um uh I think they were saying like Mac Brown apparently I did not know this about him. Uh just like uh, during their bye week, instead of like preparing for the following team, he said he always just watches college football from like noon to midnight <laughs> and will just like break down every game with the other reporters uh, on the beat and just like loves talking about college football. Love that. But can we just get him back in the media? He does not need to be working here. Yeah, I think that we should have Mac Brown as a co-host on this podcast. That should be Mac Brown's job, basically, is that he gets to be on here having a good time with us. I think he would, yeah, he really, would love us. I think he would have a I think he would get a kick out of our whole thing. I, I think. If, if there was a Mac Brown, Steve Spurrier podcast, we would be out of business. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Is Steve Spurrier still alive? He's still alive, right? Yeah, dude. He's still like, he posts workout videos sometimes. Still. Let's go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's I awesome. would say I'm, I'm whooping his ass in a powerful competition, though. I gotta well, yeah, tell you. he's like 95 uh, years old. I would hope so. <laughs> no holds barred, Patrick. Everyone wins a win. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing you're doing lubed up jockstrap wrestling with, with Steve Spurrier and Mac Brown. <laughs> I'm doing a 12 game. I'm doing a 12 game. Uh, 12 game powerlifting schedule, and I'm scheduling a bunch of cupcakes, and I'm 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 playing Boteza and losing by, by 100 pounds. <laughs> oh man uh, so uh, <laughs> you're getting the tone, um, you're getting the tone setters together and you're just watching football all day with mac brown and it's the best day of his life it's it's the greatest experience <laughs> he's ever had i just i just love you guys you guys are the <laughs> my best friends <laughs> <laughs>
have so much fun. <laughs> he's 12 Modelos deep, just expressing his love for, for all of the tone setters. He's asking us if we can call our guy to get a bag. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he's 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 laughing along with the don't baseball my football shirts. He's he's loving it. <laughs> this, is, this is so great. I love that. I love that sentiment. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> so get to North Carolina, the football team and the players. Um, look, they lose their two best receivers with Josh Downs and Antoine Green. I love Josh Downs, college receiver. Yeah, I think he was awesome. Antoine Green was pretty good. Those guys combined for almost 3,800 yards in the last two seasons. Um, that's tough. You don't want to lose that. No. Um, they also lost their best lineman off the tackle of Seam Richards. That line was already pretty bad, but he was like an NFL player, a fifth round pick. Um, they lost their top two corners in Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. Uh, I don't know. They lost a seventh round pick in the D line, uh, Raymond Vahasanak. That D line is also awful. I'll get to that in one second. Um, but I mean, look, they have Drake May, who's to me the best quarterback in America. Um, I like Tez Walker, the Kent State transfer, mm-hmm. uh, who went for 100 yards against Georgia and was all around a thousand yard receiver. Uh, they have uh, maybe one good lineman. Uh, which is good. They got a couple that's, other guys coming in. I mean, that's generous. They sure. technically do. Hmm. I said that's generous, but sure. I like Corey Gaynor. I think he's good. I mean, they also brought in uh, Willie Limpkin from Coastal Carolina on the interior, and they have Ed Montalis, William Barr, and Spencer Rowland back. And then um, what's his name? Zach Rice, that old five star who. Uh, oh yeah. He's entering entering his second season. He should be ready to compete. So they should have six guys who can play probably. Yeah. Um, no one needs to, no one can get hurt, but they might have six guys. Sure. Um, on the linebacker core, they have one of the best linebackers in the country, Cedric Gray. Mm-hmm. I think he is a, he is a dude. They do have pretty much everyone back on the rushing side of things. Like they have 98.6% of the rushing production back. And then also get back six year player, British Brooks, who missed all of last year, the knee injury. So running back is stacked. They also got in, uh, Nate McCollum for the tech, their top receiver to transfer. Um, in addition to him and Tez Walker, they have three guys back in JJ Jones, Kobe Pacer, who I like and Gavin Blackwell. Uh-huh. Um, and their top three tight ends are also all back. Brayson Nesbitt, Kamari Morales and John Copenhaver. Uh-huh. So John Copenhaver. everyone who catches the football wow. is back. Great name. Everyone who runs football is back. Uh-huh. Drake May is back. The question is just, can the O-line be okay? Yeah. Well, and and can Chip Lindsay and Freddie Kitchen successfully <laughs> sure. call can, can successfully call a competent offense, which is easier said than done. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can talk yourself into this offense pretty easily. I don't think that there's a whole lot to say against it, right? Like they were good last year; they're probably going to be good again this year. It's just how how far does that take you, basically? Because there's no defense here, and they're you know the 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 line is is limited, certainly. And limited, yeah, is, is is fair. I mean, I don't know. The defense, uh, they couldn't generate the pass rush. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't play the ball in the air. So well, that's all the things you have to do on defense. That's, that's <laughs> sort of the big three. Yeah, for th- <laughs> things you're going to want to do on defense. They sure did get a lot of exercise, though. They ran around a lot. <laughs> I will say I, I love their linebackers. I think Cedric Cranick is awesome. They also have one of the top linebacker names in the country here. Power Eccles. Oh, yeah, we do like that. It is really funny. That is a classic bad defense thing to have two awesome linebackers and then a whole bunch of dog <laughs> shit around. What's the point? What are, <laughs> what are, yeah. these, what are these guys going to do? Great. Just fighting for their lives, racking up 130 tackles on the year. 
I'll say for what it's worth, they seem to think that uh, their East Tennessee transfer, Elijah Hussey, who is an FCS All-American, is a good player for them. Mm-hmm. They like him. Um, they have two or three good safeties. They have Armani Chapman, Octavius Lane. Those guys are from Virginia Tech, Georgia State, respectively. Yeah. And Marcus Allen's back. So if they can find a second corner, I think the back seven looks pretty good. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, the problem is the defensive line is just absolute dog shit. They have signed 13 blue chip players in the last four years, the D-line alone. Two five stars, five other top 200 guys that have just been horrible every year. Like, not even competent, just really, really bad. Yeah. Where is it coming? Like, they finished bottom 40 in scoring defense, yards per play, turnovers forced, rushing yards per carry, passing yards per game. Like, everything you count on defense, they were in the bottom 40 on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. Uh, and they were they were top thirty in offense, but like when you have an awesome offense and a terrible defense, you're just playing high variability shootouts every week. And the thing is, like your OC got worse, and you don't trust your old line that much, and your defense can't stop the run. So like, how how do you think this is an elite? Like no one can think this is an elite team, right? There's no way for this team to be like. I don't know. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a like back to back pretty damn good quarterbacks and like never tra- top like nine games in the whole sketch as yeah. a win. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's uh, I would imagine it's frustrating for for North Carolina. I would certainly be frustrated if they had fans. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. What does the schedule look like here? What are we working with? Yeah. Okay. Uh, They open the season that neutral site game against South Carolina and Charlotte. Mm. Um, I'm torn on this one because I don't like either team. Yeah, that feels like a game that um, I'll go. I'll go purely off of what would be most annoying to me. That feels like a game that Peter Burns and the SEC ESPN guys get to flex about all year, right? Like they get really annoying when South Carolina beats North Carolina in Week One. So I'm going to say that that happens. I'm going to say South Carolina wins because the ESPN SEC guys would be extremely annoying about it. Yeah, I guess the only thing I can say is like everyone that offense who I like besides Juice Wells is gone. Yeah, but also North Carolina's defense can't stop them. So will it matter? Probably yeah, that's, not. That's a Spencer Rattler September Heisman game right there. That's a Spencer Hall Heisman game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not illegal if you're driving a Dodge. That's what I've always said. <laughs> we talked that off the air. Yeah, that's. Oh man, we already have. I need to talk about it more. Um, all right, sure. Oh, who cares? Oh, and one. Uh, well, here's what I'll say: is they play. They play Minnesota in week three. Why? And their other powerful <laughs> dude. They're they're not conference slate. <laughs> Is South Carolina, App State, and Minnesota? What, the what is wrong with this AC with AD? What is wrong with them? What are you doing? It's just just asleep at the wheel. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally out cold. Not paying attention behind his Dodge Charger. I, uh, I think they, they win the next two games. I think they beat App State, Minnesota. Okay. They start two and one. Is that fair? Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? That's, okay. That's sure. Fun. Yeah. They will lose at Pitt, and people will have. I don't know. It'll be some kind of crazy. Some kind of crazy. Oh my God! What's wrong with North Carolina? They're wasting Drake May. Yada yada. Then he'll 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 average three hundred ninety five yards over the following five games. Okay. Which they play a whole a, a triple. They get a bye week after Pitt. After going two and two, they get a bye week. Then they get Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, all three at home. Georgia Tech on the road and Campbell at home. Oh. They are. <laughs> God. I think we had I think we had them losing to Miami, but we'll have them winning this version of it. Yeah. Um. That's seven and two. Sure. Right. Yeah. Or yes. no. Yeah, that's wait. seven and two. No, that's seven and two. You're that's right. seven and two. But let's. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Okay. Then they then they lose to Duke, lose at Clemson, lose at NC State. I think we just had NC State losing to them, but. Yeah. 
They're going seven and five. I don't know if they lose some combination of South Carolina, Minnesota, Pitt, Miami, NC State, Duke will result in four losses. Okay. So do we want to say seven and five? Seven or and eight five. And four. Okay. That's fine. It's yeah. a seven and five football team. Maybe they get eight and four, but that's a seven and five team. Yeah. I, I would probably, if I'm picking, I'd probably say eight and four, but I don't really have any issue with seven and five. Hmm. They I are. They, uh, I will say they are favored in all, but but per SP plus, they are favored in all but one game that they will play this season. Hmm. Just. What do you want to do? I'll let you call it. Um, we'll say eight and four because I think that that's probably. I think we, you and I, perpetually underestimate North Carolina because we don't like the way that the program I is built, them. like fundamentally. But they do seem to overachieve what we usually expect from them. So I'll say I'll say eight and four. And that they get one of those games that you mentioned as kind of a hinge game. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're gonna do pit here, and I'm also gonna bring up some DMs from our buddy Zach. Okay. Because uh, he told me we pronounce uh, their running their old running backs name wrong. Okay. So I'm gonna get his pronunciation guide. Okay. Um. So Izzy Abanacanda, Abanacanda, Izzy Abanacanda. Sure. He's gone. <laughs> okay. So. Just so you know that that guy whose name I now pronounce correctly is gone. Um, they put uh, they put twelve players the all conference teams last season, which is pretty damn good. Like I said, Izzy's gone. Kalijah can't see the first round pick at tackles gone. Their top receiver Jared Wayne is gone. Two of their linemen Marcus Minor and Carter Ward are gone. Servasier Dennis, who's a really good linebackers out of here. Their two safeties Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett are gone. Um, and all of those guys I just mentioned were either first or second team All ACC and, or NFL draft oh. selections or both. Woof. That that's not that's not ideal. This is not a program but, but, that I think. Can wait, do... there is more. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> they also lose three of their top run, uh, pass rushers in Desmond Alexandre, Habakuk Balnado, who was on our all Italian team, you may recall, actually from Italy. Yeah. Uh, and John Morgan, who transferred to Arkansas. Uh-huh. Um, so their whole thing is being the pass rushing team, and basically their four best pass rushers are off the team. Hmm. So. Well. <laughs> And then also their starting quarterback is gone. Well, he sucked, so who cares about He's that? He's that suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was did, did you shit. see I know you're not as plugged into Pitt Twitter as I am. Did you follow like all the Pitt players making fun of him after he left? No. They were just like <laughs> they were like posting TikToks about him like looking at his feet in the locker room and not talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> and just like being a weirdo in general and like being an <laughs> asshole. Like they, everyone just like dunked at him as like a prick the second he was gone. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, it's it's insane that they have won as much of they as they have with how bad the vibes consistently are within this <laughs> program. Pat Narduzzi builds a, a a toxic workplace environment, and he still wins seven games a year. He also, I don't know if you know this, he hosts an annual bocce ball tournament for all the players, <laughs> and he just he just kicks their ass every year and wins it. Why? Dude, he's a young style Italian. He loves bocce ball. Oh my god, I, uh, that's hilarious! Literally... Just <laughs> making a bunch of twenty-year-olds come over to play bocce ball. <laughs> Just Dude, want somebody I went to, to dinner with my parents on Friday night, like right down the road in, in Plum Borough in Pittsburgh, <laughs> and they're building the bocce ball court outside of the Italian restaurant we went to. Um, <laughs> it's just I like, deeply resonate with Pat. Just doing some Ohio Valley bocce ball Italian guy stuff. I I get that. I, I vibe have, with that. I will tell you, I've never played bocce ball, so I I, I whoop your ass. Yeah, dude. well, yeah, of course, I've never played. 
<laughs> not the point. <laughs> I'm gonna play you in a Utah soda drinking competition. What is this? <laughs> no contest. <laughs> is that a competition you guys do? <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you about it. It's a secret. <laughs> it sounds vaguely sexual in nature. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I will say, Pitt's defense. Despite having one of the dumbest and most useless offensive coordinators in the country with Frank Scanetti, yeah, I do really like their O line, and I think they got better at quarterback despite themselves. Like I think Phil Dracovic's not very good, but he's better than Keaton Slovis, right? Yeah, yeah, he he he's a man of the people in that he is a man who is <laughs> friends with others. It seems like he's not yeah. just some freak who came over and and nobody liked. So that's probably a step in the right direction. Um, I will say it does seem troubling that his whole thing is like he ran the ball too much and got hurt like every year of his career going back to high school. Yeah. And then Pitt's plan for him is to run the ball with him more again. Hmm. Um, it does seem that's like That's probably it. not an awesome sign. Who's the backup here? Do we know? <laughs> there is. Um, oh, it's a Christian, Christian value from uh, Penn State. Oh. Um, huh. Who's the Canadian kid? That's strange. That's a strange guy to have. Um, hmm. He's DC. He's okay, maybe. Excited to see what um, he looks like this year once he's starting after game five for the rest of the season. <laughs> That'd be cool. I do. I, in, in their defense, I do like their own line. Yeah. Um, I like their own. Have, uh, I like their own line coach's name as well. This is a good looking name. <laughs> you like Dave Borbley? You're a big Borbley guy? D- Dave Borbley. That's. That's solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they have they have eighty four return starts here. Uh, Jay Cradell uh, and uh, Matt Goncalves were, were both all ACC or, or something like that. Yeah, um, one of those. They have uh, a few other guys here who are worth noting. Um, I, I mean, I kind of like this group writ large. Uh, Blake Zabovic is back. They have a couple other guys. Ryan Jacoby, the Ohio State transfer. Um, I think Ryan Bear is going to play the role. It seems like also an Ohio kid. Um, pretty good crew overall here. Running back, I really like their backup from last year, Rodney Hammond. When he gets the rock, he's very effective. He had a, a couple of great runs that West Virginia game. They also made two starts late in the year when uh, when he was banged up, and he combined for 217 yards and three touchdowns those two games. The problem here is that he also had three fumbles on 109 carries. Um, you cannot fumble the ball that much and win games. Yeah, that can't happen. Greased pig situation. You got to get that kid. He's got to be. That's a lot of fumbles. He's going to be doing the the classic running back thing of the coach makes him carry the football to every class, right? Like he's oh, going to be he's walking yeah. around campus holding the football. Yeah, that's. He's walking down Shady Ave. He's walking up Forbes Ave. He's walking down other Aves. He's walking up and down the Aves. He's yeah. he's he's down down Squirrel Hill. He's down Shady Side. Yeah, he's down Blonocks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's hitting every av in the city, and he's he's got the football in his arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I mean the offense. That's the thing is they they have Hammond. They also brought in uh, Derek Davis Jr., who is uh, a friend of the show. He's a Gateway Gator legend, like myself. Uh, former top 100 recruit who went to LSU as a safety, then transferred back here to play running back. Um, I would not be surprised to see him like really contribute here. Um, yeah. uh, and I think the thing is like for Pitt historically. This is um Pat, uh, Pete uh, Foyatak on, on Twitter. I, I have it linked in the articles here. If you give me this article on the website, you'll find the link to credit him. Uh, pointed this out. Since 2019, Pitt is 26 and one when they run for at least 140 yards, and I think this should be a good rushing attack. So yeah, that's not like that much. That's not that many rushing yards relative. No, like, that's like not. It's like around the national average. I think that's not that hard to do. No, so Pitt should be able to run the football pretty well. And they do that, they usually succeed. But I guess the thing is, like, the model for Pitt, they have had really good receivers the last few years, 
Uh, obviously, everyone knew Jordan Addison when he won the Blitnikoff, but also, I mean, Jared Wayne was really good there last year, and he's gone. I think they have just Jags behind him, right? Kyle Mumfield for the old Akron transfers here. Bub Means is here. They brought in a Florida transfer, Dejon Reynolds, which, by the way, every guy on Florida's receiver room last year either averaged over 20 yards per catch, like under 10 yards per catch, because that offense is all either like deep shots or screens. Yeah. Pretty fun. You were either a deep shot guy or a screen guy. Yeah. <laughs> no one did both. Uh, just such a stupid offense. But regardless, yeah. Um, they have veterans. I didn't get Bartholomew. I, I kind of like some of the peace on offense. I just hate the OC. I think they're going to hurt their quarterback, and I think they are at risk both of interceptions and fumbles to turn the ball over too often. Yeah, I will, um, I will also say real quick on that 26-1 and one stat, it's weird that they're under 140 yards rushing as often as they must be then because they don't win every game that they play. They're not like... Over the last couple of years, it's not like they have been 26 and one. Or They've averaged like eight two. and a half wins or something. Yeah, it's yeah, not crazy. It's, it's weird that they have so many games without that many rushing yards. That's not good. That's like the main thing that they do on offense. That's their primary export is rushing yards. I don't know why they. Well, with Kenny, to be fair, the Kenny Pickett offense was just Huck and Chuck a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they also uh, they won all, they won most of their games that season, right? Like they, <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, we can't do that anymore." <laughs> I think Pat Arduzzi read that stat is like they win the game. Like, dude, he's so stupid. He read that he's stat so... and all of the blood left his body and rushed to his penis. He got <laughs> he passed out. <laughs> he, got... he he basically saw the st- he like you know goes down to Heinz Field or Akershire State, whatever they call it. And sees like the 2008 AFC Championship highlights between Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and he's like, "That is football. That is the only game that should ever be allowed to be played. It's that exact game." Yeah, he's like, "You should have a safety forcing a forced fumble and a linebacker in a pick six every football game. That's the only way to win." Yeah, um, and he's right. <laughs> he's right. Yeah, it rocks. <laughs> I guess here's the thing: here, the the reason Pitt always wins is because they have, in my opinion, the best defensive line coach in America. They have Charlie Partridge. They have ranked top three in sacks each of the last four seasons with Charlie Partridge, um, which is incredible because they don't get that many blue chip guys. It's just like he's just that good, right? And Randy Bates is a great DC. Pat Narduzzi is a good defensive mind, as much as I make fun of him. They have Devin Danielson, defensive tackle, who I've loved since high school. They have Deion Hayes, who's their top end here. He's a guy who's flashed but has never really been the dude. And with those three ends I mentioned transferring out, he needs to be the dude. Um they have a few guys behind there, four redshirt seniors, two tackles and two ends with uh, David Green, Tyler Bentley, DeAndre Jules, and Bam Brema, who are need to step up at this point in time. They also have Aaron Donald's nephew, Elliot Donald, who was a blue chip kid, and Nakai Johnson hitting their third seasons. Those guys have to contribute. Like You have the players here to be a pit D-line again, but it's a bigger leap than he's taken in eight of the last four seasons. Right? It's, like a, it's a harder gap to clear. Than they've done lately, and it has to happen for this team to be good. Yeah, this will this line will require a lot more work than the last couple lines have, basically. Hundred um, percent. I think the linebackers a lot. They have Shane Simon and Bengali Kamara. They also have a, one of the best corner duos in America of MJ Devonshire and Marquise Williams. Two guys with a flair for the dramatic. Uh, the defense, if the defensive line is as good as it always is, which uh, frankly you have to assume it will be, right? As long as Partridge is there, like I'm not going to bet against them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so as long as those guys are doing that, the, the biggest question here is what does the safety look like? Because their whole thing with Bates and with Partridge is sending blitzes, getting pressures, creating sacks, and leaving a Corazon Island and assuming your safeties are good enough. Because every year with Pitt, they have been, right? They had a lot of guys playing really well back there at safety. The problem is now they're all brand new safeties. Like they brought in Donovan Millen, who's a former blue chip local kid, the 
third or fourth this season alone who transferred back. And Javon McIntyre is a, who's a returning player. Those guys need to step up uh, and play very well. If not, the back end of the state, like if they go up explosive plays because of bad safety play, the whole pit defense falls apart. Yeah. Like that is the one thing they cannot do. Um, yeah, that, that pass rush isn't going to mean a whole lot if the back of your defense is wide fucking open every play. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just hard. I would say Pitt here, they develop defensive players, right? They do it all the time. They have 14 draftees from defense the last six seasons. Uh, a lot more guys got all ACC than that. The Pitt defense always finds a way. They should be able to run the ball, which they like to do. The corners are good. The linebackers are good. Like, if this D-line finds time to get home, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I think that that's all fair. This looks a lot like a Pitt team. This looks like a Pat Narduzzi team, and I think that the expectations for them should be about the same as what they have been recently. Yeah, it's another just baseline year. I guess the difference is to me, I don't see the youth movement on this team that like builds to an eventual 10-win season like the Kenny Pickett crew did. Yeah, it like, feels like they're kind of just, like... just treading water at this point. But what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, they're an yeah. NC State-ass team. Yeah. Um, all right, Pitt's schedule here. They open the year with Wofford at home, which is a win. I have them beating Cincy at home. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I think that's fine. I hate this this Cincy team. I don't like Me too. I, I'm immediately I like... out on them as soon as Fickle is gone. I'm, I'm done with them. I, I love their D tackles and nothing else about them. Yeah. Um, I think it's really okay, funny cool. that they brought in Emory Jones and now they're moving <laughs> Evan Prater to wide receiver. You got the wrong guy. So you dumb. got <laughs> so stupid. You got the wrong guy. You've arrested the wrong man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have them beating uh, down out the VU in the backyard brawl. That's three and zero. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina at home. Do we call that a win or a loss? It's, what do we call that? it's so hard to say. Uh, I think it's four now. <laughs> I, I think that we call that a win. Okay, then we have them going maybe seven and zero to start oh. because they get at <laughs> at Virginia Tech by week home against Louisville at Wake Forest. Oh man, I feel bad for what I know is coming in the back half of the schedule. <laughs> well, the back half of the schedule does include Syracuse and Boston College too. Yeah, it also includes three other games that maybe we'll right. go as well. I think we'll, it, we'll say, look, let's have them start six and one. We'll find a loss somewhere, whether it's North Carolina, Louisville, or Wake. We'll lose one of those three. Okay, that's fine. So six, six, six and one. one at Notre Dame, six and two. Yeah, home against Florida State, six and three. They play a neutral site in Yankee Stadium against Syracuse. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> seven and three. Boston College is eight and four, or eight and three. Losing to Duke is eight and four. Yep, boy, these eight and four, the 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 six and six, eight and four, seven and five teams, I think are a lot harder to talk about than the really bad teams. And we're coming up on one of the really bad teams here. Um, hmm. or at least how, that... how long have we been fucking podcasting dude a long time we've been going for a really long time um, should we release this in two parts just uh... <laughs> maybe I don't I'm gonna be honest I think we've done the brunt of our work here because these last four teams man there's not a whole lot going on with Syracuse Virginia Virginia Tech or Wake Forest um, uh, how about you give me a talking break and you do Syracuse <laughs> yeah okay I can do Syracuse uh, so, man, there's really just not that much to know here. Uh, Dino Babers brings in four new coaches. He loses, of course, Robert Nene, the offensive coordinator, uh, but he also loses defensive coordinator Tony White to Nebraska. Um, there are, I think, some replacements here who are interesting. Uh, Jason Beck takes over as the offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach. 
Rocky Long takes over as the defensive coordinator. That's a big deal. I like Rocky Long. Rocky Long is a great football coach. If you're going to run the 3-3-5, you're not going to find a better coach for it than Rocky Long. He invented it. It's his defense. Um, the departures within the roster are <laughs> significant, I would say. There are some some pretty big faces leaving this program. They had a pair of one, top 100 draft picks in Matthew Bergeron, the offensive tackle, and cornerback Garrett Williams. Um, both of whom were, you know, excellent, really good players, uh, all ACC guys. They also lose Sean Tucker, running back who we've talked about quite a bit, defensive back Jihad Carter and Deuce Chestnut, as well as linebacker Michael Jones, um, and two other offensive line starters. That's a lot to lose from a team that already was not that good. Um, <clears throat> they do have some guys back who I think are decent. Garrett Schrader and Aronde uh, Gadsden are kind of the... Gadsden rocks. Yeah. yeah, kind of the, the pairing there, the, the, the quarterback wide receiver pairing. He really does, like, he's he's such a weird <laughs> receiver because he's so big. Um, he's, you know, he is basically a tight end. He's essentially listed as a tight end. They kind of use him as a tight end receiver. He's really fun. He's a, he's a fun player. Um, they also bring back Marlo Wax at linebacker, which is a, an awesome name and also a really good player, but he's the only uh, returning all ACC guy that they have beyond uh, Gadsden. Um, so I, I think that you're probably just looking at diminishing returns here, right? That, that would be my assumption is that you're looking at a team that already kind of collapsed last season. And unless Garrett Schrader is just awesome, it's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to see this continuing even to like six and six levels because there's just not that many winnable games on the schedule. Um, we like LaQuint Allen a decent amount at halfback. He had almost seven yards of carry as a freshman to take over for Tucker, but that's those are big shoes to fill, and they're going to have a pretty new look offensive line, even with just the two the two returning starters. They bring in some transfers, but that's not ideal. Um, I think the offense could be decent. I don't think it's going to be what it was last year, basically. Um, and then the defense is in kind of a weird spot. The back seven had a lot of issues with injuries last year and, and, and had some serious departures. And I think that the back seven is going to be kind of <laughs> the worst part of this team, uh, losing Chestnut and losing Carter to LSU and Ohio State, respectively. Um, there are still some guys here who are decent. Uh, Justin Barron, Elijah Clark, Isaiah Johnson, like those could be guys in the secondary. Um, but this defense in general, it's just, there's not a lot, there's not a lot here. Honestly, there's just not a lot here. There wasn't a ton here last year anyway. Um, but a lot of the stars of that defense are gone. Um, Dino Babers basically, he saved his job last year with what he did, but I don't think that anybody feels like this is going anywhere. Um, I don't, I don't think that this is a, a pairing long for this world. I think that both parties are kind of just running out the clock. Um, they managed to get to a bowl game last year. I think it's going to be somewhat hard to see them getting back to that this year. They have some very, very likely wins on the schedule, um, but they're going to need to steal one basically they're gonna have to steal one or two to get to yeah. the whole game um i think it's going to be <clears throat> pretty much right they around have to where steal they were. like two to get a whole game yeah pretty much where they were last year um with uh with hovering around 500 trying to get there um we can roll through this schedule real quick here <clears throat> they start the season colgate at home western michigan at home at purdue and army at home for the first four games of the season um i would assume that's three and one right 
Yep, that sounds right to me. All right. Uh, then they go. Uh, they they host Clemson at North Carolina, <laughs> at Florida State, and at Virginia Tech. That is a much harder stretch of games, I would say. I think it's one and three out of that out of that group. Yep. No, to the bye week before VTech, which makes them feel better, but yeah. uh, that's uh, that's four and four basically. Yeah. But at what cost? Um, <laughs> um, and then they close out the season. Boston College at home, uh, Pitt in a neutral site game you mentioned in New York, um, at Georgia Tech, and then Wake Forest at home. Uh, so they basically they got to get two of those to get to a bowl game. I think they could maybe do that, right? They could beat Boston uh, College and Georgia Tech. That's not that hard. I think I think the, I think the way I had it going is like there's three there are three locked wins are Colgate, Western Michigan, Army. Yeah, Army's a relative lock, and then they're beating probably beating Boston College at home, and then I think they will get one of the Georgia Tech, La Tech road games, but not both. Okay, it, would that be five and seven then? That's five and seven. That's fine by me. That is, yep. Those terms are acceptable. I agree with five and seven. Um, Virginia, man. I mean, what is Hopeless. even? What is even? I, I honestly, I don't think they're worth talking about. I do not think it is worth talking about Virginia. Um, I, I think they're going to win one or two games this season. I don't think that there's yeah. any. I don't think there's anything here worth talking about. Like the only headline we'll say is like. They lose 13 starters. Yeah. Uh, there are like two players I can name who are worthwhile. One of them's an end, one of them's a tackle on defense. Yeah. Um, like, I think maybe maybe their defense has improved because they have six starters back and a couple of them are pretty good. Yeah. And they also have like some good safeties. Like, maybe it's just that like, the Virginia defense should be decent up front, decent on the back end. If they can figure out the middle and corners, like, they can maybe steal an extra game, but like, by and large, just just an absolutely pathetic setup. Yeah. Um. And let's just we don't need to say anything more than that. The schedule we can go quick on. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Tennessee also in a national neutral site. Come on, stop doing this. Yeah. Um. Owen one. Do you have anything else I guess before we do the schedule, or you could just do this? No, we could. I could. We could just do the schedule. I think it's. I think it's one and eleven. Honestly, you roll through here. It's versus Tennessee. James Madison at home at Maryland, NC State at home to start. I don't think they're going to win any of those games. I don't think they're going to beat James Madison. This is not an F, this is not a P5 level roster here. I, I agree. I guess the thing is I will say is they get all three of James Madison, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech at home. Yeah. And they also get Boston College in the schedule. Yeah. I think of those four games, they find a way to win one of them to go 2-10. and ten. Okay. And then they beat William and Mary as well, which we, I don't yes. know if we mentioned. So, yep, 2-10, and ten, miserable, not headed anywhere, um, not good. Not good. Don't hire Tony Elliott next time, I think. Would this be is the... this is like a, a weird thing to say, but do you think the shooting gives him four years instead of three? I don't know. I, I don't know that they're going to be, I, I don't know that that's a consideration. Um, I... If they go two and ten, I don't know how you get him four years. Honestly, I don't. I don't know how you would how you would do that. Yeah, well, this is his second year. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. He'll get a third year at least, I suppose. Yeah, because there's um there's no one obvious to hire. So yeah, well, you, um, you could try to bring Bronco Mendenhall back. That would be my advice. Hmm. Maybe He's just to, hanging out. Maybe try to unburn <laughs> that bridge. I hear Justin Fuentes looking for <laughs> looking for work. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Georgia Tech, or sorry, Virginia Tech, rather, the other team in the state. Um, I don't know. They bring back most of their coaches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a huge win. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I like their, 
There are two new hires at running backs coach and O-line coach. Um, they got Elijah Brooks from Maryland, the old DeMatha head coach. And uh, they also got Cincinnati's O-line coach, Ron Crooks. Ron yeah. Crook, rather. He's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's honestly not an awesome sign when your leading receiver has to medically retire and your leading rusher transfers to Western Michigan. <laughs> um, no. That's no, not what not you good. want to see. Not good. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they lose their best player at all three levels of the defense. Uh, Taiwan <laughs> Garbutt uh, at the end spot. Linebacker Dax Holyfield. Cornerback Shamari Connor, who was the only draft pick from last year's team. Um, I like their receiver additions. I'll give them that. They they brought in uh, Jalen Lane, Phil Tennessee State, and Ollie Jennings, who combined for 1,900 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns last year at their respective schools. That's cool. I think their O line coach is in, or sorry, their offensive coordinator Tyler Bowen, who is who was the tight ends coach under Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, and then also worked at Penn State under James Frank, which is how Brent Pry knows him. Yeah, that's kind of their. Their OC, he's an idiot. Bizarre. Um, yeah. Their quarterback options are Grant Wells or Chiron Drones. Um, just bad. They lost a really good O-line coach to replace him with someone who's fine, but they need to find two new starters that were really, really bad last year. Yeah. And the whole two deep is almost exclusively freshmen because of all the transfers they lost. They lost Rudolph. Yeah. Um, well, and, and they, the good news is that behind them is a, one of the worst quarterbacks in college football with Grant Wells. Um, yeah. Or a guy who's worse than Chiron Jones. Well, yeah, one or, one or the other, dude. This, I mean, I like what Brent Pry did as a defensive coordinator at Penn State, and a, he, and a recruiter. He was yeah, really good. I thought at he both. was excellent. Yeah. This is this is dead on arrival in a way that is really surprising. Um, because his staff it, was just so bad. Dude. There's just nothing here. There's nothing going on. It's same with Virginia. There's just nothing here right now, and it's wild that neither of the teams in the state are competent at all, right? Like, you would think that just yeah. by virtue of being in the state, you would have to have at least one of these teams as a bowl team. I cannot imagine that they've both been awful, like this awful together at once very often in the history of these two teams, right? Like, one of them has to be competent, and neither one of them is. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's just hopeless, dude. Like, even the defense, the only nice thing I can say is they have a couple of good players in secondary. Like, they have... But that's it. There's no pass rush. There's no run stopping. Like, Brent Pry would have to work a fucking miracle for this defense to be, like, top 70. Yeah. Yeah. And the offense is going to be pretty clearly bad. There's nothing So what's the upside? There's just, like, there's not. There's not any. I think this is another, it's another disaster season for them here. We can roll through this schedule. There's a couple more wins on here, just by virtue of the schedule is a little bit friendlier, but... Not by yeah. not by a ton. It's it's not much friendlier. Yeah, I mean they get old Dominion at home, which they'll probably win. Um, yeah, that's one to know. Yeah, they probably lose to Purdue, right? Sure. Well, I guess. I mean, they could be maybe. Where is that? That's at home. It's. it's... Mm. Purdue's gonna be. Let's really... table that one. Should we table that one for now? Purdue's gonna be really bad too. Um we could probably throw that into a mix of like a couple games that they lose most of. Right. All right. So we have one win, one in the mix. They go at Rutgers, which is probably also in the mix. Embarrassingly. Okay. Jesus. Um, yeah. Is that Marshall also in the mix? Is that, a, <laughs> is that a win or is that a, and Marshall might suck. Um, I, their, their odds of winning that game are not a whole lot better than their odds of beating Rutgers or Rutgers is worse than Marshall. I think this year. Ah, <sighs> 
Yeah. This is really bleak. This is really bleak stuff from them. I'm going to here. I'll, I'll make it easy for us. They're going to win two out of the group of uh, Purdue, Rutgers, Marshall, uh, at Boston College, and at Virginia. They'll win two of those we, games. We can maybe throw Syracuse in there and say it's three. Okay. And we'll say four and eight. That's that's an yep, easy. That's, that that's exactly easy. where I had him at. I yeah. don't want to. I don't have any specific thoughts on this team beyond that. I just. I don't. Okay. Yeah. I think it's four and eight. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it's three and nine. It's not good. It's not good. It's not worth watching. No. All right. Final game. Final team. Rather. Jesus Christ. I'm tired. Yeah. Um. <laughs> how, well, can you tell me what, what time we're at? Just for curiosity. It's about, sake? It's about two and a half hours. We're 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 at about right. two and a half hours. <laughs> We are in our bag. This is this is our shit. But uh, Wake Forest, last one here. Yeah. Look, he's the magic man, right? I mean, they've done. <laughs> they, they've done. <laughs> Look, he's the magic man. <laughs> Out it's of context, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dave Clawson is. Uh, they always make a bowl game, right? It's just their thing they do. Um, I don't know. They've made seven straight bowl games. Uh, they have, I think they have five of their 10 coaches entering at least seven years working under Dave Clawson. They only lost two of them, lost their receivers coach. Uh, and they also, uh, they also lost their cornerbacks coach. But besides that, everyone else is intact. Okay. Um, Sam Hartman's gone. A.T. Perry is gone. Uh, Gavin Holmes, who's pretty good corner, is gone. Their defensive end, Randall Boythroyd, is gone. Um, three of their starters from last year's O-line are gone. Uh, I guess they get four receivers back. They like, I think Donovan Green's the best one. Jamal Banks also pretty good. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> feels like kind of an end. Of, this feels like kind of a starting a new era, ending the old one year for them. I, I don't, I don't way. see how this isn't a transition year for them. I just, there's not enough here. I don't think. No, I agree. Like, there's just they might be able to have an okay line. The receivers should be pretty good, but Mitch Griffiths is like a five foot eleven leprechaun who played like one game last year behind Hartman. Yeah, I don't even think Hartman was that good, so I don't know how much. But he's he's not Sam Hartman. I'll tell you that people some people like Sam Hartman. I'm not one of them, but he's pretty clearly worse. Despite that, yeah. Um, Why did they not just go get Grayson McCall? He wanted to leave. Why not just go get him? Would have been fine. Baffling. Baffling. Very strange. Maybe the grades. I don't know. Wake Forest kind of tough to transfer into, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, the defense was horrible last year. They they finished 13th in yards per play allowed and 12th in scoring defense in the conference. Mm. Uh, and they also replaced six of those starters, including their top two pass rushers, another defensive line starter, and their top tackler. Um, I like Jasheen Davis at end. Chase Jones is pretty good at running back. They have four starters in secondary. to be able to defend the pass pretty well, which they will – they will have to do because this, this will, every game will be 45-30. Um, I just don't see how they make a bowl game. I, I know it's Dave Clawson, but like, I don't see how he makes a bowl game happen here. Yeah, let's talk about the schedule a little bit here because I, I think that that is – there are a couple likely wins on this schedule, but there's not a whole lot more than that. That's It's, it's going to be tough sledding here, I think. Yeah, okay. So well, they beat Elon to open the year. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. They probably find a way to beat Vanderbilt, right? It's Wake. Yeah. They probably do that. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. They also probably beat Old Dominion on the road. Okay. That's 3-0. We're halfway there. I th- 
I think they get Georgia Tech at home. That's 4-0 to start. Oh, man. Okay. Where I is... have to tell you about the rest of the schedule mm. because they get a bye week after those first four. Okay. I'm just going to reel off the rest of the schedule, and we'll get to the individual games afterwards. At Clemson, at Virginia Tech, home against Pitt, home against Florida State, at Duke, home against NC State, at Notre Dame, at Syracuse. Okay. If you say they win at Virginia Tech and at Syracuse, that's how they get to 6-0. and Or sorry, 6-6. Six and six. But that's two road games against like similar teams to me. Yeah. And you have to win both to make a bowl game because you're not winning any other game that schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe they could beat NC State at home. I don't I don't think that's impossible. I think NC State's just like too well coached on defense. Yeah, that could be. I, I think it's six and six. I think they can beat Syracuse and Virginia Tech on the on the road. I think they can do that. I think the way I viewed it is like I think I had them going five and seven, but I can take six and six. That's fine. Yeah, because I hate this Virginia Tech team and I don't feel very good about Syracuse. So, I I think six and six is fine. Um, boy, this conference has a lot of teams in it, doesn't it? Wow. <laughs> hmm. Wow. So, final recap. I guess our conference standings. We have Florida State winning, or Florida State and Clemson are playing in the title game. Um, we have. Uh, Duke, Miami, North Carolina, and Pitt all going eight and four. Um, we have NC State going seven and five. Then Louisville and Wake Forest at six and six. Yep. Those are the bull teams. And then uh, Syracuse at five and seven is just shy. Yeah. And um, King of the know, losers. four and eight, Virginia. Yep. Four and eight, Georgia Tech. Uh, four and eight, Virginia Tech. Two and ten, Virginia. And uh, four and eight Boston College, four and eight Boston College as well. Oh, four and eight Boston College. Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. All right, let's get out of here. We will talk to you guys next week for the Big Twelve edition of the uh, the previews. Uh, we are exhausted, so <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye.